this is going to be an interesting conversation. Yeah, because we I, we're, we're we're just totally freaking guessing about everything here. I you know it's funny. I'm not totally guessing. It's it is it it is e- easily maybe the the thing I wrote about iPhone screen sizes is maybe the most John Gruberian thing I've ever written. Like it's. Not totally out of the blue, but it's absolutely positively not informed by a single person who's actually seen or touched a new iPhone. Right. But. But. (laughs) But. I have talked to some people who claim to have talked to people who have seen or touched new iPhones. Right. So it's, it's not, you know. The big one, the big one and the one that, uh, and we can, I don't know. I think we'll do a good job of trying to explain this thing, some of these things to everybody. But the one that to me is weird is this idea of a 750 by 1334 iPhone. Because if that's the pixel count, you divide by two to get the points, and it they're both odd numbers, 375 by 667. Yeah. And, and that's a little weird. Not quite as weird as a phone that had odd pixels, but odd points is a little bit weird. Well, the, the, the one that you're thinking for the uh, the 4.7 inch display, you know, the 13, that's 30, the one, yeah, 1334 by 750. That's just <sighs> I, <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, for for people who are are, are out there and probably not. Going, well, what's the matter? Odd numbers, even numbers. It, all programming is like binary, right? right? It's powers of two, on and off. You know, everything is nicely. You know, you you can do a division by two by just shifting a binary digit. You know, one place to the right. Everything is just kind of really nice when it's you know some fact or some power of two. Well, you start talking it, about a three, it's like. Oh. And it's just in some ways it's a little arbitrary. I mean, the factor of two, the the factors of two is are magic numbers. I've, I've been talking to Jonas about that, and he's actually gotten that down with the Minecraft playing because everything in Minecraft is so pixely that uh-huh. eight and sixteen and thirty two are numbers that keep coming up in Minecraft. And I sort of it was an interesting conversation, but I was like, you know, you're going to find out as you you know get more and more into video games and stuff that those are those powers of two when you keep doubling are magic numbers. But even so, even just avoiding the powers of two thing, um, it, it's just a little weird because you can always split a screen in half and have two equal halves. But if you have an odd number, now you can't. Right. Right. And that, that, and, that really is the, the root of the problem, right? It's like, and how do you center something at that point? Right. It's, uh, you know, what's half of six sixty seven? You know, what do you do with that extra 0.5 of a pixel? You, right, you know, well, and it's weird, you know, or not that point five of a pixel is point five of a point. Right, and you know, it's a little bit arbitrary because if you have an even number of points, you can always center an even sized object, but right. you couldn't center an odd sized object. Now it's the other way around. Now you can take an odd sized object and put that odd pixel right in the middle of the screen. So it's you know, it, but it we're used to making things even even sized widths. Yeah, it, it, well, to me, if this if this goes down like we think it's going to go down, it's really the end of thinking about pixels. 
Yes, uh, and that's really, the big, that's really the takeaway. The and you kind of see it in the the, the if you read between the lines, you always got to read between the lines between um, with WWDC presentations, right? Because they're they're telling you stuff that's going to happen in the fall, but they can't say it's going to happen in the fall. Yeah, and it's all this thing about you know compact versus regular, you know. Uh, uh, what's the what's the, the it's uh, not traits it's uh, um, let's get with it's a, it's the, it's the layout dis- yeah the display class don't they call them layout display class yes display class that's what it is um, they're basically saying you know it's, you know sometimes you're going to display on a larger dis- screen sometimes you're going to display on a more compact screen right and you're gonna you're gonna create layouts for those two different scenarios now what are the number of points in those two? Well, you've got the iPad and the iPhone 5 right now as examples of the, the, the two cases, but... but there, there, were a, <laughs> there were a couple of sessions in WWDC, including the, um, uh, the State of the Union, as I like to call it, the technical keynote. Right. You know, the, the, the afternoon the, keynote on the day one. The good keynote. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say. Well, that. they're both I mean, good. They're both good. Yeah, right. but the but the one where we all like are going, oh yeah, oh it's, yeah, <laughs> it, it's like a meal in reverse is because yeah. we get our dessert in the morning and then mm-hmm. we get the meat and uh, the nourishment in the afternoon. Right. But, exactly. Um, that's a very that's a great analogy, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and we're all still a little dizzy. <laughs> right, exactly. We're, right? We've, we've got the sugar rush going, and it's like, now, you're giving me a steak? <laughs> right. And then all of a sudden, they actually are putting code up on the screen, and it's like, wait a second, I gotta, I gotta slow down and think here. Um, but even in the technical keynote, even in the, the State of the Union, there was a, a little bit where they immediately, it just was awkwardly phrased as to why in the world would they provide this for us unless there are new size devices coming out, but there's no way in hell they were going to say anything about new size devices. Right. But it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever that they would add this to the SDK otherwise. And then in the session that I've been talking about this week, session 216, um, adaptive layouts. Adaptive layouts in in Apple's parlance is exact, well, maybe not exactly analogous, but it's the same basic idea as responsive web design. Right. Right, yeah. where you have one web page that scales in perhaps dramatic ways to look good on a phone, on a tablet, on a 30 inch display. Like maybe when, you know, a lot of responsive websites, when these show up on the phone, they get rid of whole things. They get rid of like menus or all sorts of sidebars and stuff like that and just show the, the text. Or they might move it to the bottom. They might move like sidebar material to the bottom. Well, that's what adaptive layout in iOS is like, where you don't effectively redesign for this phone, redesign for this phone, redesign for the horizontal iPad, redesign for the vertical iPad. You just set these constraints and say, you know, in a dynamic fashion, if it's between this and this, lay it out like this. And if it gets smaller than this, you can just hide this control. Yeah, and auto layout, which is the technology that underlies all of this, is is got a lot of parallels with CSS, which is the yeah. stuff that underlies responsive web design. Yeah, so, yeah, it's I that was you know that was the first thing I in learning about a lot of auto layout was like okay, this is a lot like CSS. It's it's a very different take on the 
you know, the implementation is very different than, than CSS, but it's solving the same problem. Yeah. For better, you don't know what size the screen is going to be. Deal with it. Right. It's a very Apple-like thing to do to attack the same problem that CSS addresses and to just say, we don't like, effectively, they're saying, we don't like CSS, we're going to, you know, do it our own way. And there's lots not to like about CSS. I mean, there's a reason why there are so many things like SAS that are front ends to CSS. Yeah, the, the, the CSS is a very general solution, right? And this is a pretty specific problem that, that we're dealing with in iOS right, right now. So right. I can see why they did that. Right. And the two, the closest they came to to just come on, you know, hitting us over the head with it is that in the, and I don't think this is NDA'd. I don't know. I'm never. It's very unclear what is NDA'd or not anymore. But the the fact, I mean, there's all sorts of places where you can. Well, read the, about the, it. the video that talks about what you're about to talk about is is not. Is yeah, online. is not NDA. <laughs> yeah, and it's not. You don't have to have an NDA to to right. watch those videos anymore. Um. I assume you're, you're you're talking about the the fact that you can dial in the numbers that you want for the iOS yeah. simulator. Yeah, right. It's when like, you do when you build and run your app in Xcode, you used to be able to choose between a device. If you have like an actual physical iPad or iPhone plugged in, you can you know you can pick it. You know, if your iPhone is named Craig's iPhone, you could say run this on Craig's iPhone, and then the app would build for ARM, and Xcode would copy it over, and it launches right on your actual iPhone. And if you run it in a simulator, you'd have to pick between um, actual virtual iPads, you know, iPad 2, iPad Air, iPad Retina, iPhone 5. They added two this year, resizable iPad (laughs) and resizable iPhone. And at the bottom of those in the simulator, you get to pick how many pixels wide the device is and how, how high it is. And like in the demo, they picked, I forget, like 600 by 800 or something like that. I don't know, something that, and, and it's, you know, you'd sit there and watch this video and you're like, why, why, why would they allow this? Yeah. Again, that's the reading between the lines, right? It's, right. it's like, okay, there, there's going to be some display size that is not a multiple of 320 by 640 or, right. you know. 325, what is it now? 568. Yeah. I think of the number is. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you know, to be honest, it doesn't really matter. You know, it's like, I'm, the thing I'm coming to, you know, the, the conclusion I'm coming to is like, okay, we're, we've got to start thinking about this really in points. It really is. And that's, that's my only reservation here are those odd numbered points. Right, yeah. that's like you know, how do you split that in half? Uh, that's really the. Um, in fact, that's the. I think that you know, people like Paul Haddad, you know, was, was said, you know, this is really a pain in the ass. And Paul Haddad of uh, Tapbots, uh, Tapbots, yeah. Um, and you know, that's kind of where this this. There was a conversation this weekend, and you know, it's like, well, okay, this, and that's where I said, you know, this is the end of us, you know, doing pixel perfect designs. Um, and then your comment about the, you know, well, how's this like the Retina MacBook Pro, right? You know, you can yeah. set whatever scaling factor you want, right? Under uh, behind the scenes, the Retina MacBook Pro always works at two x. 
it lays out a frame buffer at 2x, right? You, it renders your images at, you know, two times their normal size, but it may not display them at two times the size. It may display them at 1.6, you know, the size. Well, there's five, I think there's five options. If you right. have, anybody who hasn't seen a Retina MacBook Pro, you're, you're, this might be very confusing. And it was, when I first heard about it, two years ago when the first Retina Max came out, it sounded to me like, wow, those other four settings are going to look awful. And the gist of it is, by default, your Retina MacBook Pro shows up with, it. it, it there's five settings. The one in the middle is like called Best. And it's the one where everything is rendered at exactly 2x because you have 2x, you actually have 2x the pixels on the display and everything is rendered at that size. It is pixel if perfect. You drag, and then there's two more size options in each direction, bigger and smaller. Where you go smaller, everything on screen gets smaller and you effectively get a virtually bigger display where you have more. I don't know, again, are they pixels or are they points? They're points, I guess you'd call them. More points mm-hmm. in the display. Right. And in other words, like your eyes are great. You have good eyes and you would like to see more content rendered smaller. You have two steps, like small and really small. And then in the opposite direction, you can go big and really big. And it zooms everything up a little bit. Um, and I can see it a little bit, especially if I take my glasses off and get real close to the screen. But at typical viewing distance from a Mat- Retina MacBook Pro, I actually don't see it. It actually it turns out it works really well. Yeah. Our eyes are old enough that it's like, eh, okay. Yeah, I <laughs> Close <did> enough. <laughs> you know, I was talking with Moltz about that a couple of weeks ago on the show about how my eyes are, I'm, you know, at, at 41 or whatever the hell I am. I'm, I'm, I'm hitting that, hitting those, those limits. But, um, I don't know. I actually think because like when I take my glasses off and get real close to something, I can still see. I, I you know, I, if I get it close enough to my eyes, I can see it pretty sharp. And I've I've gotten really close to a Retina MacBook Pro, and it's pretty effective. Yeah, well, I've been working on uh, some stuff for Yosemite and and doing Retina versions on. And I don't have a a MacBook Pro with a Retina display, but I do have a 30 inch cinema display that I can put into a retina mode with uh, some developer tools. So instead of having 2560 by 1500 pixels, I think it is, you know, I basically get half that number. So I get a, it renders in retina on the 30 inch display. So basically I've got like a 15 inch display in 30 inches of, of physical space. And it's huge, but it's really readable. Yeah. I, mean, I don't have any problem seeing it and I can look at, you know, individual pixels. It's really good for testing. But, you know, that's that's an extreme case. You know, if somebody had a, a, a vision problem, you know, that 30 inches of real estate displaying a 15-inch image would be awesome. Yeah, but and with, you know, text rendered as well as it could be at the actual size that it's at, you right. know, have, you know, big, there's no big um, jaggies all over the place. It doesn't look anything like when non-updated iPhone apps were running on the original iPhone 4. Right. You know, everybody remembers that. They look terrible. Everybody. I mean, you'd, you'd have to be, you know, maybe like borderline legally, you know, blind not to be able to notice, wow, that this looks pretty fuzzy it's not like that at all yeah 
Like once the pixels get small enough, you can start playing games like that. And I do think that's what it is. So it's, you know, if, if this number I've come up with that I've heard, I haven't, didn't just pull it out of thin air, but I did, you know, I can't, can't say bet on it, but if it's 1334 by 750 and these point sizes are odd, what's, what's weird about it is that there's a, a, a to our user interface slash programmer minds, a much more obvious number right next door. Just add two pixels in each dimension. Mm-hmm. And one of them is divisible by 16. Uh, 336, 1336, 1336, just add two pixels, is divisible by eight evenly. And 752 is divisible not just by eight, but by 16, which is what di- right. divisibility by 16 is what a lot of people just expect in a display. Um, and it's only two pixels which is at 326 pixels per inch, uh, one, one over 163 of an inch. So, so it's not, it's still a 4.7 inch display. It's literally one less than one hundredth of an inch difference in physical size. So if why they wouldn't just, they do that? I don't know. I have no idea, but the, the 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 little whispers word on the street are thirteen thirty four by seven fifty. I don't know. Maybe that's just an estimate. Maybe it's wrong. And then you know Phil Schiller's up on stage and the tech specs come up and it says thirteen thirty six by seven fifty two. I don't know. And you know that was close enough to seven fifty where the word that came out and was whispered around was was off by a little. They don't talk don't about know. they don't talk about pixels in in tech specs typically. No, yeah, they do. They give you the exact pixel dimensions in tech specs. They don't talk about RAM. They never tell you the RAM, and they don't tell you clock speeds on processors, I don't think. But they definitely don't tell you about RAM. But they do tell you. If you look at the tech specs now, they, they tell you the... Oh, okay. I seem to remember like, having a problem figuring out what the actual dimensions were for an iPhone 5 screen at one point. But, you know... I think they do it because they... Dumb. I, I think they do it because they want to brag about the pixels per inch. Uh, and right. they do tell you the diagonal. And so they've give you know, you can just divide right there and you can, you know, it gives it away. Right. That, um, uh, the, the, the diagonal size is actually an interesting thing to do. In fact, what, uh, my wife and I were talking about what we were going to talk about on this podcast while we were having dinner. And, um, she's like, well, what is a 4.7 inch display? And what's a 5.5 inch display like? And it, there's a real simple thing you can do. You get out a, a ruler that's got 5.5 inches on it and put it diagonally across your screen and, you know, go out to 5.5 because the aspect ratio is going to stay the same right. as your, as your iPhone five. That's not going to change. So you can just draw a line corner, out to 5.5 and, and get an idea for how big that screen is. And it's, it's, hefty right and then and this is more fuel for the you know is the 5.5 inch display going to behave like an ipad or is it going to behave like an iphone well let's hold that thought and let me do take a break and do our first sponsor Um, brand new sponsor really really interesting i can't i almost can't believe it it's like in terms of things i expected to be sponsoring my 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 show but here it is it's casper sleep caspersleep.com they are brand new they're 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 like a warby parker to glasses like a uh, like harry's to shaving except it's to premium mattresses mattresses the things that you sleep on <laughs> 
I swear to God. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> As part of the sponsorship, they they sent me one, a demo. They sent me a quick. They sent you a mattress? Honest to God. I'll, I'll get back to this. Craig, I'll get back to this because you think that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It is crazy. I was like, how the hell are they going to send me a mattress? Well, here's the deal. It's a new – it's like a new – I don't know. They've got like some kind of new high-tech stuff. They call it a new hybrid mattress that combines premium latex foam with memory foam. It's like a combination, but it's not like memory foam. It's not that thing where you, you end you get, up You like get a, stuck in the bed. Yeah, yeah like yeah. and then wake up in the morning and there's like a crime scene body thing. No, it's not like <laughs> that at all. It's just, honest to God, it just feels like a great mattress. It just is, it's it's just like a nice combination of, uh, you know, softness and, and a little bit of that sort does, of. Does gift. Amy like it? Yeah, yeah, it's a great mattress. Yeah. Um, and it's exactly the same sort of thing as like eyeglasses were, where the mattress industry is just crooked as all hell. Uh, and they pay notoriously high markups. And the existing mattress companies, like uh, last time I, it has been a long time since I went mattress shopping, but I remember, you know, I remember reading a thing on Kotki about it where you go from one store to another and you look at like, you take one of the big name brands like Sealy or whatever, and you go into the one store and you write down the ones that they had that you thought you liked. And then you go to another store and they don't have those models. They sell like different models to every store with different names so that you can't compare. Like they've, right. they've conspired successfully to avoid, you know, yeah. allowing you to be informed try to price match yeah yeah, yeah. Tr- you can't casper undercuts them on price dramatically um here's their prices they're they're not even afraid to tell you what they are most mattresses good mattresses cost start at over 1500 bucks casper's cost between 500 that's where a twin size mattress fits that's that's like what craig would like keep his arm on yeah uh 600 for xl twin 750 for full-size mattress 850 for a queen and only 950 bucks for a king-size mattress uh great prices there's not a lot of complication between what type of mattress they just make one type of mattress that just feels great you don't have to get all complicated about it. it's just a nice soft mattress they do this crazy thing when they ship it you think well how the hell are they going to ship a mattress they, I don't know what the hell they do, but it's like vacuum packed. It's still a big box, but it's like a big box that like maybe looks like it has like a dorm room fridge in it. It, it, it doesn't ship as like a big, as like a full size mattress shows up at your house in this thing that, you know, actually a, like a UPS guy could reasonably give you. It's actually kind of. It's actually one of the coolest things you open. I, I, I was, was just going to say, do you have to kind of like stand back when you open? <laughs> no, no, it's actually kind of slow. Um, Obsessively engineered mattresses at shockingly fair prices. Like kids can't let it. It's got the right sink, just the right bounce. It is kind of bouncy. Uh, two technologies, latex foam and memory foam that come together for better nights, better days. Risk free trial. Cause this, again, anytime the first time you buy X on the internet, you think like, this is crazy that I'm buying a mattress on the internet. Risk free trial and return. You get to try sleeping on it for a hundred days, free delivery. Painless return if you don't actually like it. Their mattresses are made in America. Prices are great. So here's what you do. Oh, and they have another deal. They've got this uh, referral program. Uh, So you get one of these mattresses. Every friend you refer to Casper gives you a $50 gift card. Uh, Plus any friend you refer also gets 50 bucks toward their mattress. Um, So they've offered us for the show the same opportunity so you save, use this code. It's, it's, I'll give you the URL, www.casper, C-A-S-P-E-R, caspersleep.com slash talk show, slash talk show. 
And I think when you check out, you might have to use the promo code talk show. No, the just talk show. You'll save 50 bucks. I get $50 referral fee, but my $50 referral fee, I'm not getting it. I don't want, I don't want that. They've already paid for the sponsorship. So, uh, we're going to give it all to charity. We're going to give it to the, uh, uh, the food and allergy anaphylactic uh, ah, network yeah. thing that my wife and son uh, participate in every year. Yeah. So you save 50 bucks using the code on a mattress. 50 bucks goes to a great charity. And it's, it's seriously, I just can't believe it. Here I am selling mattresses, but it really is worth your attention. Uh, you'll save money and you get a great mattress. I think the last time you had me on, you were uh, selling Caesar salads. So yeah, oh, it's like, wasn't that, that great? That, that, that guy was salad. awesome. You know, so, so it's kind of like an honor that I get all of the weird but kind of cool I, I'm sponsorships. You, I, I think that the, I think all sponsors, I think, you know, the show's doing pretty good. It's, I have a lot of repeat sponsors. I'm really happy about that. Um, and, you know, to me, that's proof that it must be some kind of decent value. But I love the sponsors that you don't think of as like, oh, it's a tech podcast, uh, you know. Let's sponsor it. You know, the, the ones like the salad and eyeglasses and now mattresses. But I think it's great. I don't know. I think that the core audience of Daring Farbel isn't really defined by technology. I think it's people who like nice things and are willing to pay for them. Yeah, that's – well, that kind of just sums up the Apple uh, customer base too, right? And, you know, frustrated by bullshit and stuff like that. And buying a mattress is so, so much bullshit. I don't know. I think that this, I don't know how many people buy a mattress per week, but I'll bet I, I have just have a gut feeling that they, they could do really well. Yeah, no, it, it is. It's, it's one of those sleazy, uh, you just, it just, it just oozes, you know, oh my God, what am I doing here? Right? It's like a cartel because there's only like a couple of companies that control the whole industry and they right. just sort of conspire to, to lock right. it down. Right. So anyway, my thanks to them. Caspersleep.com slash uh, talk show. All right. Like you were saying, this is a great, great question. And that WWDC session raises points about it is, is this, especially the 5.5 one, is this five, if it, you know, and if it ships this year, I do, I, I'm almost, I would say I'm 99% sure there's a 5.5 inch iPhone coming. Is it coming September 9th? That I don't know. You know, could be something, you know, who knows? Maybe there'll be a special event in February or something. But I, I do think it's coming. Um, and when it does, is it going to act like an iPhone layout-wise or more like an iPad? And so, for example, in that session 216, they set up the uh, adaptive layout constraints such that when you rotate the phone to landscape, that it works like an iPad, and so if you have, a, it was like a list of messages and you tap it, it showed it, you know, it was like one third of the screen was for the list and the other two thirds shows what you have selected. Right. And it stays on screen as opposed to the entire, you know, two navigation, um, two view controllers on, on screen at once, as opposed to the iPhone where it's always only one at a time. It really is from somebody who's, who's, has 54 year old eyes right i don't necessarily want a smaller version of the ipad i want a larger version of the iphone right somebody mm -hmm. something that can give you know give me more space bigger text to you know read the stuff that i'm having trouble you know to be honest there, there's some stuff on the iphone that i have trouble reading 
right? It's just it just gets too small. Um, the flip side of that, you know, somebody who's you know in their twenties, you know, they spend a lot of time looking at YouTube videos. You know, they've got Facebooks, they're all their social networks, right? You know, they do all sorts of stuff on their phone. They got great eyes. They're gonna want that phone to work more like an iPad, right? Just yeah. tiny little font, throw shitloads of content on the screen. So, I th- and that's why I say, you know, pixels don't really matter anymore, right? It's like, this is, I see Apple telling us, you know, give up the, the, the idea of, of, of pixels and start thinking about areas, right? Yeah. It, Fact, and and trust that everything's going to look sharp. Yeah, it's it's interesting. One of the first things I did when I got an iPhone, right, is it's like I want to understand what that that magic forty four pixel number was all about. And I actually got a ruler out and put my finger against that ruler, and my fingertip covered about a quarter of an inch. Well, if you uh, if you take the forty four you know, 44 pixels divided by what? What was it? 163 was yeah. the DPI originally. 162 or 163. Yeah, it, I think they think they call it 163 now. It, it works out to be about a quarter of an inch. Yeah, it's a little bit bigger. It's a like, little tiny, little bit bigger than a quarter like, of an inch. But you know, that's the the size of your fingertip. Yeah. Right. And you know, as we go to these different size displays, the number of pixels have changed, but our fingertips haven't changed. Right. We still, you know, I still touch a piece of glass, and it's about a quarter of an inch. So let's let's keep the controls that size. Yeah, something has to. And I, I don't know. Maybe I wasn't clear enough in the piece that I wrote over the weekend, but something has to stay the same. And in in I think what's been confusing, and even to me, it's caught me off guard. For the first couple of years, a lot of things stayed the same as new iOS devices came out. It wasn't just one or two factors that stayed the same. Lots stayed the same. And when they first went retina, it went, it, they increased the resolution in such an easy to understand way. The screen size was exactly the same. They just put four pixels into every spot where previously there'd only been one. Uh, and it made us, it, it, I think it fooled me definitely. And it still has, given the people who are, who, who seem to be doubting my predictions, there's still a lot of people out there who think they're going to stay and keep it that way. You know, that the only reasonable way to go up, they think, is 1704 by 960, which is exactly three times the pixels. But if they did that and increase the size of the phone to 4.7 and 5.5, they would be changing the size of the points, mm-hmm. right? And they would be changing the size of those tap targets and... I don't think they're going to do that. That I think that that is not going to happen. Right. Well, and it could, I think they could make them a little bigger. I do. And I think on the 5.5, they are going to make a little bigger, but I think that to make it so that you get more content on the screen at once at a reasonable size, the point is the thing that they're going to more or less keep centered. So if you have a 44 by 44 tap target, like for a, a, uh, and a tab controller at the bottom of the screen to switch between, you know, your mentions or your, you know, your main timeline and a Twitter client or something like that. That 44 by 44 point target is going to be roughly the same size on all devices. 
no matter which, you know, from, from four, four inch iPhones to, you know, 9.7 inch iPads or, you know, perhaps a 12 inch iPad, but that 44 by 44 point target is going to be mostly the same. And some of those devices are going to have 460 pixels per inch, some 326 pixels per inch. There's old ones, you know, there's still a lot of iPad, uh, first generation iPad minis out there with 163 per inch, Mm -hmm. but the point is more or less the same size. And that 44 by 44 tap target button is something you can count on as a designer. And and when you start messing with that, I mean, everybody's come across a web page where the links on that page, you know, they don't have a responsive design on the web page, right? So like, you know, the, the, the next button on that web page is this tiny little target. And, you know, you, you try to get your finger to get right over that and you like, you hit the, you know, some other Right. link or some other control or they put and it's so frustrating right like, or it's not God. just that it's not just that they're small but that there's they're small and there's two right next to it. exactly it's like a paging control right you know right. You, you're trying to you want to go to page two and it's like you hit page three and it's like ah oh, and you, you swear at the web designer well you know if they start screwing around with the size of those tap targets we're going to be swearing at, at every iOS developer and every right. you know Apple developer, so it's just going to be the they're not going to screw with that. It, it'll be it, it may be you know slightly different, like you're saying, you know maybe you know five percent different, plus or minus, but it's not going to change significantly. Ever since um, there were first rumors, even just vague ones, that that there would be future iPhones with significantly bigger screens, not just the 4.0, but stay with the same aspect ratio. Because that wasn't really a change in size. When they went to 4, it was more about changing the aspect ratio because they kept the width exactly the same, or 320 points, 640 pixels. They just added pixels in one dimension to change the aspect ratio. Um, Ever since there's been talk of a bigger iPhone... I've always just started with the question of, well, what's the problem they're trying to solve? Is it showing more content, like more text per page? Uh, or is it about zooming it up and making the text that is on the page bigger? You know, and, and there's different, you know, two totally, you know, and it is largely age-based, two totally different reasons yeah. to go each way, where if you're younger... And you want to use your phone as more of your personal, more and more like it's your main personal computer. You want more. You want you want to show more at once. Um, and if you're older, you want bigger text. Right. And so you can see it. I think that by putting a lot more pixels on the screen, going to 3X and having something like um, 2208 by 1242, which is my guess, um, that by default, it's going to be mostly about showing more content because that's a 68% increase in area. Uh, you know, multiply the number of visible, visible points on screen, not pixels, but points by 1.68. And you, that's a lot more. Um, and it's a scaling factor of 6%. So it's a, you know, about five or 6% bigger. But I think that what they'll be able to do to make other, you know, the people who want every, just want big text happy is I think that they, I don't know. I, I mean, there's nothing, certainly nothing like this in the iOS eight betas, but, and maybe it won't even be in iOS eight. Maybe we'll have to wait for iOS nine or something, but they could add something like the retina MacBook pro scaling factor yeah. where you, you treat 
the 5.5-inch phone as a 2X device instead of a 3X device. And all of the apps already have a 2X layout, and it just scales up. And Well, it's, it's even simpler than that, right? It's, it's like there, there is that regular size or compact size that they talk about in session 216. And, you know, you, you can say, okay, I want my 5.5-inch iPhone to act like it's compact. Or, oh, no, 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 I want it to act more like regular. And the code that's written well for the new, you know, size classes works correctly, right? You get, oh, all of a sudden this behaves like an iPad. Or, oh, all of a sudden this behaves like an iPhone. Given that display size, that the physical display size that you're working with. Yeah. So I, 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 I think it's, 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 it, you're right. It's, it, 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 there are two sets of people and they, it's all about content and some of them want more, some of them want bigger. And, and some of them want some kind of mix between the two. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and I think Apple did a, did a brilliant thing with that Retina MacBook Pro, right? Cause it, yeah. it handles a lot of different situations yeah. from the software developer's point of view. It's, pretty simple right you just you you're rendering into a a frame buffer that's you know twice as big as it used to be and those pixels make it to the screen however they make them their way to the screen yeah um another thing that's interesting and that i've I've discovered recently in the uh the xcode beta um is the ability to specify images uh specifically you know graphics and software as vectors there's yes. the ability to, to to specify your image as a say for example a pdf file um what's interesting there is that that's always been problematic in the past um because you you know you take a you know say in the iOS six world right you take a richly rendered button with gradients and all sorts of you know nice shadows and things like that and you take the PDF for that and it's number one it's a pretty complex PDF file right it contains gradients and shadows and all sorts of stuff and then you scale it down to any kind of size and it just it never looks great, right? right. It, it, unless it's really big, then it looks awesome. But now with iOS 7, you know, since iOS 7, all of the graphics in our applications are really just, you know, stroke lines, right? They're really simple, right? And an arrow is just, you know, two lines at, you know, at a 90-degree angle, you know, mm-hmm. rotated 45 degrees, right? It's It's, you know, and it literally is that, that's how it's described in the PDF file, right? You know, this line is so many points long, you know, it goes from this point to this point, this point to this point done. Yeah. And that reminds me, that's a very astute point, Craig. And it brings me back to something that I remember now. Well, I suspected it might have that I might, it's something to file away and remember, but last year in June, when I first saw iOS seven, when it was, you know, here's, here's the big reveal. Um, I was talking to somebody at Apple, can't say who, but you know, 
but what I was told was from someone who had a, a hand in the design and it was something to the effect of, well, we know some of the stuff that's coming and that informed some of our decisions. Yeah. You know, and I can't tell you about it now, but you know, that played that, you know, part of this is not just about what it looks like now, which we think looks great. And we really are, we really are proud of it, but part of it is about what's coming in the future. And I do think that that's part of it, that this is clearly it's the iOS seven style is clearly more scalable. Yeah. Slash it, it, malleable. It's that whole resolution independence thing is that, well, that was and Apple has really wanted. Yeah. That's the old term, but it really is that God, that goes know, back to like Mac OS 10.4, 10.5. And it was something. already, and it was always problematic because, you know, it's like right. Aqua was not an easy thing to, to scale resolution wise. Yeah. Right? It had all sorts of gradients and shadows and all this. And now that we're in Yosemite land and Iowa 7 land, it's a lot easier. It, yeah, the old time, the original era was... Um, everybody knew that ultimately it was about higher resolution displays and getting more pixels per inch on our displays. But we didn't we didn't have this retina terminology. And... It's not so much that retina is a magic word, you know, it's, it's an arbitrary marketing term. And there's a basic, the basic idea that at the distance at which, you know, the pixel isn't discernible from your eye, as long as it's, you know, a typical viewing distance, then that counts as retina. There, there's definitely some scientific merit to that. Um, but what wound up happening though is that it's sort of a binary thing a, a, an apple display whether it's a mac or an ios device is either retina or not and for those of us who care about the details we can tell yeah this one's retina this one's not like the first time you saw a retina iphone it was double yeah it, was, it was obvious like, wow. yeah <laughs> even with the macbook pros though the first one was the 15 inch right the 15 inch macbook pro shipped first and it was like it wasn't quite double the pixels you know, I think you could fake it with that scaling factor that we had to make it double the, you know, resolution. But the actual, at the native resolution, everything was a little bit bigger because it wasn't, they didn't quite get to double the pixels. But you could just tell as soon as you looked at it, you're like, wow, this is something unlike anything I've ever seen on a Mac before at this level. Like the mm -hmm. fonts look like real fonts. Um, I think back in the original era, and it wasn't just us on the outside. I think even Apple had this, that it was never, it wasn't quite, they didn't, they didn't foresee doing it as like this binary f switch. It was going to be this continuum where every, maybe every couple of years we'd get a couple more pixels per inch. And that if we had retina or not retina resolution independent assets, we wouldn't have to keep redrawing everything. But it didn't work out that way. Like it was they never a, it was, really, yeah, they never a, really was, shipped a version of Mac OS X that was resolution independent. It was in a chicken. Way. It was a chicken and egg problem, right? It's like developers aren't going to do resolution independent graphics until they've got a resolution independent screen, and Apple's not going to release a resolution independent <laughs> screen until there are apps that run resolution independently, <laughs> except right? for Panic. Yeah, oh, cable, cable. Those guys are just like God. They're they're heroes. But I forget which one of their apps was. The, I, I don't know if it was Coda 1.0 or something. I think but it was Transmit. It oh yeah, maybe yeah, it was an early version. But there, yeah, there were there were Panic apps from 2006 or 2007, maybe even earlier that were resolution independent. They had like PDF assets for everything, and they they went to extraordinary lengths to do that. Yeah, because and. Cable was the guy. I remember going to like WWD, old WWDC sessions. I mean, like 
seriously, probably like close to 10 years ago. And me and Cable Sass are hanging out in the back and just giddy as they were talking about resolution independence. Cause we both like were thinking next year we're going to have retina max. <laughs> we, we didn't know the word retina, but we thought we were going to get super high DPI max yeah, the next yeah. year. And we were like just giddy, just crazy. They're like, there's no way they'd be putting this in WWDC this year if they weren't coming. It's like, let's start saving our money. And Cable was like, I'm going to start building apps. Yeah. And it was all, you know, you, you know, it, it, it's all going to come to fruition now. And there's, you know what the, my, the red flag for me is, it's the fact that they're using a Helvetica Noia as the uh, system font. Oh, definitely. 70. No doubt about it. I mean, that, that, that it, it's okay on a non retina display. But you see Helvetica Noe on a Retina display, and it's like, okay, you know, the yeah, I's, my- the L's, the ones, all look okay. They're it's a little, little muddy on a non-Retina display, and Apple's making that, you know, they're they're planting the flag, saying, okay, this is the way we're we're going forward, and it's clear that that way forward is. Everything's going to be retina. Not not just I've said this before, but not just in hindsight, having used Retina MacBook Pros now for a while. But I've always thought. I mean, I mean, having used. I'm sorry. I told uh, using Yosemite on a Retina MacBook Pro for the last couple of months. Yosemite in particular, not just because of that. Ever since the Retina MacBook Pros shipped, I thought that the Aqua interface looked a little weird. I thought the displays looked beautiful and I thought everything about the UI looked a little weird, looked fake. Uh, You know, it always looked to me like a fake version of Mac OS that somebody made for a, uh, like a Marvel superhero movie. So it would look really cool, big on screen. Like they faked it in, in, uh, you know, I love Lucida Grande. I mean, I, I still love it, but it looked a little, janky on retina to my eye right? yeah just, because well and it's you know i got it there's a reason why you don't see that font used in print right or seldom yeah. see it you very yeah. seldom see lucida grande in print because it just isn't you know it was designed to look good with chunky pixels and it did a great job of it i mean it looked great on you know non-retina displays look better than Helvetica on non-retina displays. It did a, yep. it served its job for over a decade fantastically. But then once it went retina, it looked weird. It's because it's just not, just isn't a great font at high resolution. Yeah. And the, you know, the people that are complaining about, uh, Helvetica Noia not being a, you know, humanist font and, and, you know, it's, I can, I can get that as, as far as, you know, content is concerned and, you know, it's like, yeah, maybe your content in your app should be displayed in some other kind of font. But, you know, menu bars and dialogue boxes and stuff like that, it's really no different than road signs, right? Yeah. It's navigation, right? It, it, you know, and Helvetica excels at, you know, you just go out in public and, you know, you know get on the New York City subway and notice that Helvetica is all over the place. It's good at doing that. Um, I think that, you know, Apple moving to that as a system font is just something that, you know, that lets us navigate through our apps. It's, it's yeah. a good thing. Hold that thought. Cause it's, it comes back to another thing I, I, I want to make about print design. Um, 
and UI design. But let me, I got a, yep, do another, I got sponsor. another sponsor. Let me yep. do it. So I'm gonna, and why don't I follow up, uh, Casper with the actual one I compared him to Warby Parker, our good friends at Warby Parker. Um, super stylish, really cool, low priced, well crafted eyewear. That's what Warby Parker does. You've heard me talk about them before, right? They, you oh, yeah, go there, yeah. you go to the website. They have a whole bunch of frames, really cool, really cool stuff on the website to help you kind of see what they would look like on your face. Take a webcam picture and just, you know, what does this look like on my face? And they do an amazing job kind of guessing the distance between your eyes and stuff like that. Um, then you pick five pairs of glasses that you like. They ship them to you free. They just show up. They, you know, don't have your prescription lenses yet. You just try them on at home, look in the mirror, see what your uh, significant other thinks you look best in. Uh, and then if you find one or more pairs that you like, you buy them. And if you don't, you send them all back. And then a couple days later, you get the glasses you picked. Uh, no upsells on stuff like uh, uh, UV coating or anti-glare or anything like that. All glasses include that. Everything includes the anti-glare. Everything includes the uh, anti-reflective coating. No additional cost. All their glasses come with a hard case. Um, we have a bunch of them in the house now. Really cool case. Good cleaning uh, cloth. Everything like that. Uh, they have titanium frames, the metal ones. They start at $145. And their regular ones start at just 95 bucks. They do an awesome thing where every time they sell a pair of glasses, prescription glasses, they also send a pair of prescription glasses to um, people in need around the world who need prescription glasses. Almost a billion people around worldwide lack access to prescription glasses, 15% of the global population. Um, so they've popped partnered with various nonprofits, including there's one here called Vision Spring, to ensure that for every pair of glasses Warby Parker sells, another pair is distributed to someone in need. It's a great deal at a great price. Um, what were we talking about? We were talking about uh, older eyes, get eyes getting older. They have pro yeah. pro progressive lenses that start at just $295, including frames. Uh, that's a lot more money, but I'll tell you what, prescription uh, progressive lenses... They're the ones that have, they have a distance prescription at the top of the lens, and then they transition to a reading lens near the lens's bottom without any kind of harsh line or anything like that. Um, usually those things are super, super expensive at, yep. at a regular eye doctor. <laughs> yep. Theirs start at just $295. Um, really, really cool stuff. So go there, check them out. You need new glasses. Next time you need glasses or sunglasses prescription, go to Warby Parker. Warby Parker dot com slash the talk show they've got the the in there the talk show and they have a special deal what is the special deal here i think anybody who uses that deal gets uh free shipping so they'll send them um they'll get them on them right away use that code and uh you get free shipping so my thanks to warby parker go buy them go go check them out to buy your glasses so print design, I wanted to make this point a couple minutes ago, and you reminded me of it talking about the fonts. I That's the world I came from. I mean, coming out of college in the 90s, I knew Cork Express, and I did print design. And I you know, knew how to do exact layouts, but it wasn't down to what's the equivalent of the pixel, which would be the dot of toner, right? If we had a 600 mm -hmm. DPI um, laser printer, we didn't. We, you know, there's no way in Quark or Illustrator or something like that to do 
dot of toner perfect design. Right. And yeah, 600 DPI laser printer is higher than any of these DPIs we're talking about. But if it's right that we have a 461 pixel print phone coming up, that's actually in the ballpark, right? Where you really shouldn't be caring about the pixels. And that if you specify, if you just tell uh, the OS, give me, ha- you know, I want to draw half the screen black, half white. If it, the black half is actually one pixel larger than the white half, that looks like half and half exactly. There's no reason you shouldn't be worried about that. You should just say half, right? It would be just the same way that in Quark Express, if I made an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper and I just drew a line at the halfway mark on the ruler, I don't know when it comes out on the piece of paper, whether it's actually a half to the dot, it's, it's close enough. Actually, actually probably what would happen is you'd have an even number of, even number of black pixels a 50% gray pixel, one yeah. single, and then all white. I mean, just there would be some sort of anti-aliasing there, which, right, but I don't which would just make it smooth and look nice. Right? right, but I don't think we're supposed to worry about that. You know? Yeah, exactly. I, that That is kind of the takeaway for me is that it's like, you know, just give it up. You know, it's like the design is how you're going to stroke these elements, how you're going to, you know, how are they balanced between each other? It's, you know, you think about design at a higher level than, okay, it's 10 pixels of padding, you know, 15 pixels of content, another 10 pixels of padding, you know, you got 25 pixels. Right. And it's not about getting sloppy or not caring. It's about caring at its slightly higher level, right? Right. Care about it at the level of points and percentages, but don't, don't, worry about it at the pixel level anymore well that and that's you know the responsive uh web designs you know the whole thing that ethan market has championed is that you know think about things in percentages right i want 100 percent of my page width to show this paragraph uh no i really want 50 percent of my you know it's like how many pixels that (laughs) who the you know who cares Now, somewhere out there are our good friends, um, many of them your colleagues, who are pixel designers, or not pixel, uh, icon designers. Sure. And you know what? They have not. They have for air. No, 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 no. They have not been dealing with pixels for years. I mean, really? No. See, that's why I wanted to have you on the show. It's again, you know, you got to think about things at a higher level. I mean, I think I. They'll probably correct me when they hear this, but I believe they work in Illustrator at 2048 by 2048 pixels. That's where they start off. And they then scale it down to whatever pixel size, you know, the client requests. But they're working at some ridiculously large size, you know, and they're thinking about how things balance out in that large canvas. Um you know, what the final rendering size is really just an implementation detail. You know, it's just something that, you know, it's like, okay, they need it, you know, 512 by 512. Oh, and they also need a 256. Great. We'll render it out that size. Um, there, I mean, we had, they, I mean, it used to be that you, you'd go into like something like res edit, right. And click a pixel, you know, set, you know, say what color you wanted, you know, click another pixel, and to be fair, that there there is some of that still, right? You know, if if you take that two thousand forty eight by two thousand forty eight 
image in, in Illustrator and put it into Photoshop and render it down at 16 by 16 and it's got some text or something on it, you're going to have to go clean up that text, right? It's not going to scale down nicely. Uh, and, you know, they do that still. That is, there is some pixel cleanup there. But to be honest, that's less and less of, you know, something that the client even needs, right? I mean, right. people don't work at that size anymore. I think, you know, it's, it, you know we've moved on from that. Yeah, I go back to the my you know my days as a print designer, and, and you know, oh, it sucked when somebody would give you their logo and it was in a bitmap, you know, a yeah. TIFF file or something. Yeah, and not yeah. even if it was, you know, if it was really low res, you'd have to go back to them and say, you got to give me something better. But even if it was high res, it kind of stunk because you knew there was an upper limit. You know, God, why can't you just give it to me as a vector? And when you did have, you know, an EPS of the logo. You just you didn't really worry about how it was going to turn out. You sized it right. You placed it exactly where you wanted in your layout in Quark Express, and then you just trusted that when it came off the printer, it was going to look good. And we would do things too. I remember with some logos, where if it was like a dark background with white text, if you knew it was going into newsprint, you might have an alternate version where the text was bolder because you knew the ink was going to bleed, and to make right. it look right. You know, there were some logos or things like that where you'd have an alternate version for something like newsprint because you knew it was going to bleed a little bit. But for the most part, you never had to worry about it. Yeah, I think in in uh, in UIs with vector graphics, you know, a lot of people get confused the the graphic that you're using to develop with with the actual graphic that gets rendered on screen. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you're talking about what you were doing with Cork Express, a very important part of that process was the rip, right? The thing that right. took that vector representation and put it into a bitmap, which it then could send on to the, you know, to the press to, you know, physically print it. Um, you know, when when you say, okay, I'm going to put a PDF into Xcode, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm guessing that. All that PDF does is give something Xcode to work on at compile time. And Xcode will know that it needs something that's 16 by 16, or it's going to know that it needs something that's 256 by 256, and it'll render it at the appropriate size. Um, the reason being is that all our GPUs work with textures, right? They work with bitmaps. You don't, yeah, not, you don't want a vector representation in your app at runtime. You just right. don't want that. It's, it's inefficient, right? If you have to have a iPhone 6 render out all these PDFs before it can display them on the screen, your, your launch time is going to be slower, right? You know, yeah, it's, it's going to take more CPU, take more CPU. Exactly. It's not, I don't know that it can, works that way though. I don't know. I don't, I don't either, but you know, just knowing how this, this works. But better you know, to burn burn the developer's CPU on exactly the right. You know, once on a Mac Pro, right. you know, <laughs> no problem. Right. So, uh, you know, you look at, at kind of Xcode six is the rip now, right? It's the thing yeah. that takes all these vector definitions. It takes our auto layout definitions. It's the thing that that takes all this resolution independence and puts it into a format where at runtime the iPhone or even you know Yosemite now can take that and display it how 
Deezer wants to see it. And uh, it's a pretty, it, it, it's, it really, it, it's us as developers, we have to kind of let go a little bit to, to say, okay, this is going to, and that, in fact, web developers have already gone through this process, right? They're, when they talk about responsive web designs, they're, they're letting go of the notion that everything's going to align perfectly according to their Photoshop mock-up. It's not. It's not. Right. It's just not. And what we're, you know, what auto layout is saying and what these size classes are saying is like in these different scenarios, this is kind of how you want things to lay out. And you don't necessarily know that it's going to lay out exactly the way you expect it to lay out. I mean, yeah, who's well, to say that, think- who's to say that your font settings are, you know, you know, that's, you know, I in iOS you can go and say I want larger type. Yeah, right? How yeah, how, how big how big it. yeah, how big is the text bubble in in uh messages? You know, a, right. how how big is a text bubble that's three lines of text? I bet in my iMessage it's going to be larger than in yours. Yeah. Cuz I'm I, 13 years older. Yeah, I'll bet it is. Um I think there's another thing too that's implicit in the message coming from Apple, which is you can't look, even if we add two new phones and one of them is 750 pixels wide and the other one is uh, 1200 and whatever, 1224, don't take that as meaning, okay, now I can expect either 640 or 750 or no. Stop thinking that you can make a list of the expected widths. You right. should make an app that is ready for any width. Right. You know, it, and instead of just 704, maybe it's 703. Doesn't matter. Your app should be ready for that. You know, that there's no, there shouldn't be any reasonable width in that area that your app isn't ready to handle. Because I think it also ties into another rumor, which is the rumor of um, split screen multitasking on the iPad. Right. And, you know, and possibly combine that with new iPad sizes if they come out with that's, you know, a bigger pro size iPad. Yeah, that, that there's some there's some problematic things as far as that split screen on the iPad and the, you know, the whole, you know, status bar. It's like uh, Oh, there's totally there. problems and yeah. I'm curious to see how it goes, but yeah. I'll tell you the I, there's no it, doubt in my mind though that part of the message is don't don't assume you can you you're gonna you can expect the width right, to be right. from this short list of numbers. Right. The width could be anything. Yeah, exactly. And if it turns out that this iPhone really does ship with a width of seven fifty and a weird thirteen thirty four height, uh, instead of thirteen thirty six by seven fifty two, which would be neater, I think that that's that's Apple explicitly telling us stop stop trying to do pixel perfect 16 by 16 pixel grid displays, you know, designs. Yeah. What's going to happen with iOS apps that are, haven't been updated, updated, haven't been updated for iOS seven even. I mean, I've got, I've got some apps that are still iOS six, you know, that, that, that keyboard comes up and it's like, it's, I can tell what the shift key is, but other than that, I don't like it. (laughs) 
You know what? It's gotten to the point now where I find that I have a couple of those apps too, and I've got, it's gotten to the point where I, for whatever reason, even though it doesn't make any sense because it has no actual physical feel, I find that I can't type right on it anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's it's weird. It's it's just it's, just, it's but I tell you, the shift key's better. It, oh, it, that, yeah. It's a constant reminder that uh, why is Apple being so reluctant to change that to fix it i would love i i have i have no the, idea there's but gotta be just, somebody up high in that company that that says no no it's better yeah. this way somebody uh, has somebody has taken control of that uh, nobody nobody over this person it cares enough to overrule yeah and nobody under them has been able to persuade them it's yeah, like, oh my god it, it's it's it, I, I and i you know here it, it's what been a year and i'm still getting confused by it <laughs> it's like the, it's like, the, like it's like the usb cables right you know you yeah. put it in once oh no yeah. i gotta shift it in. oh fuck <laughs> put it in there oh there i got it <laughs> it takes did three tries it, it just it, it it takes three tries to get the shift right did you see the tweet from uh St- speaking of our oh god yeah Steve, yeah Stephen frank yeah. <laughs> It's by far and away. It's why I love Steven so much because yeah. I never quite thought of it. That so there's rampant rumors <laughs> that Apple is going to come out with a reversible USB switch that's going to just work in existing USB sockets. And if you look, Google it. If you haven't seen it, Google it. Look at the patent, and their diagram makes total sense. Where it's you know it's like a they call it a tongue. It's a tongue that would go up or down depending on which way you put it in. So it would be reversible. And Stephen Frank's tweet was, are you meaning to tell me that for the last 15 years there was nothing <laughs> technically stopping us from having reversible USB cables? <laughs> and that is such a fascinating way to word it because it's like, oh, my God, how many times have I plugged it, tried to... I, how it is, many, it is, co- collectively, how many man hours have been wasted with USB cables being plugged in wrong? Right. It's gotta be. It's gotta be a staggering number because everybody does it. I, mean, I don't know about anybody else, but I like do it at least once a day. Yeah, and yeah, and it's only it's only five like seconds. On, the Apple, but, on those Apple white chargers, I never oh. know which one's up and down. Never know which one's up and down. So it doesn't help me to look at the cable and say, "Oh, the USB logo is up," so I'll put it in this way. I don't know which way the thing is in the socket. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, you know, it's all combined with the fact that in the U.S. are. Um, our electrical sockets are reversible for a lot of plugs, including those little white adapter plugs. If it's not a three-prong plug, you can put the charger in upside down. And even with the three-prong ones, on some wall sockets, they're upside down. Yeah. Or I tell you, uh, or something. getting, I mean, the, the, I've got one 30-pin connector on my desk still, just for an old test device. And I tell you, the lightning being reversible... It's, it's 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 it seems like a stupid little thing. Oh, but it's just, it's I, just like oh, this is so much better. <laughs> I have a rant in me. I don't know that I've ever expressed it, but I think in hindsight that the lightning adapter is the most Apple-y thing Apple has done in ten years. It's the single. It's it just epitomizes everything that either. It's either like killing the iPad Mini, right? It's like it, it was there. Yeah. Everybody loved it. It worked great. Yeah. All the hotels had it. It's like, no, nope, screw it. Yeah, yeah. I would say go back. You know, maybe the one previous prior to it was the the iPod uh, nuking the iPad Mini, even though it was the most popular device on the planet for the iPod Nano, even yeah. though they were switching to more expensive components. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I think doing it where everybody in industry uses these finicky little micro USB things um, that are horrible because I still have to deal with them with like my Kindle. I have to deal with them with the Mophie. Uh, and now that I've gotten used to lightning, it's only gotten worse because I don't have patience for it, and I just stab. It, it, it cracks me up when we when you travel, you know, and you arrive in a hotel room, and it's you know it's like they've got like the little, you know, they oh we we have an iPod charger in the room, and you go over and it's a thirty pin connection. No, it's, like, it's like oh yeah okay. In another five years, you guys will. Get with right. the program, but uh, right, like hotels are on like a fifteen-year refurbishment yeah. cycle, yeah. and it's like that just does not work with something like phone charging. No. Um, but I also think that the Lightning adapter, in addition to being what I love about Apple, that they're like we don't care what everybody else is doing, uh, and we're not happy with what we ourselves have. We're not happy with our proprietary thirty-pin plug because we could do so much better. They were annoyed by their own ugly adapter, and they're like, we can make it smaller. We can make it reversible, and that would be just eliminate a huge annoyance from all of our lives. But it's also what drives some people who don't like Apple crazy, which is why don't they just use micro USB and then every phone on the planet would have the same adapter? Which I have to admit, that's that's not unreasonable. You know, it's a trade-off. Do you want to, you know, do what everybody else does, or do you want to try to do something better? Yeah, well, the, the, I look at micro USB and it's like it's the epitome of design by committee, right? It's just, and it, and it was. It was designed by a consortium of, of companies that were saying, you know, let's make a universal serial connector. Right. And things that are designed by committee are often not optimal, right? Yeah. And I look at the Lightning connector and it's pretty optimal. Yeah. It's. it's in fact, you know, they've done some crazy stuff with that. It's well, at the very least, it's better than anything I've ever seen from anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Mark Edwards, this is going back about five minutes. Mark Edwards, um, who I think was very much in doubt uh, about my predictions for screen sizes. And he had a tweet earlier, you know, a day or so after I published where he, he was, you know, something defective. He was very skeptical of any screen sizes that aren't divisible by 16. But then he went, he did something interesting that I didn't think to do is uh, made a whole list of recent iMac, MacBook Pro, MacBook Air, iPad, and et cetera um, devices and um, saw which ones were divisible by 32, 16, 8, 4. And mm. um, the MacBook Air, there's an 11 inch, there, there's an 11 inch MacBook Air that isn't divisible by any of those numbers. It's got a 1366 screen size width, hmm. which isn't even divisible by four, let alone eight or 16. Uh, there's a 13-inch MacBook Air where the height is 900, which is only divisible by four, not even by eight. Uh, and there's a couple others that aren't divisible by 16. So it's not completely unprecedented. Like that was, there was a bunch of people who were like, Hey, graphics cards want everything in 16 pixel increments. Uh, that may be so, but that hasn't stopped Apple with MacBooks before. Yeah. Well, again, it's just a matter of getting those textures that are on the GP, which, and the textures are going to be bite aligned. You, you know that just for performance reasons, right? You know, the, the whole graphics pipeline is, it's going to want to be, you know, even numbers, probably, you know, even word sizes, you know, so 
Right, they'll something, do something that's going to line to sixty-four bits, or thirty-two right. bits, or whatever the, the the bit size is for the right. The so in other words, they'll, they'll round up for when they're sending stuff to the GPU. They'll or they'll just, just you know, they, yeah, they'll just overwrite. You know, it's like right. okay, yeah, okay, it you know those last two pixels that would have been perfect just go off into the ether. They don't actually go to the display. So yeah, it's it, again, you know, that's you know the, the for so long, you know, we've 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 been tied to display hardware is is the thing that is driving our operating systems, our res- the resolutions in our software, that you know the, the the dimensions in our software, um, and that's the thing that's going away. Is that we we've got to stop thinking about the hardware and start thinking about our designs thinking about our layouts um, yeah and that's totally going to be hard that's going to be a hard thing that you yeah. know as you know as it, we've all you know it's like that's the thing that that you know this this odd numbered width and height for the 4.7 inch display just makes the hairs on the back of my neck stand up it's like uh uh-huh. <laughs> Because right. I know, because I, I, I know it's going to cause problems, right? It's it's like right. you know when we went from from thirty uh, two bits to sixty four bits, right? It's yeah. like oh, it was well, just you know twice as big, was it? But yeah, you make assumptions in your software all over the place that well, this integer is going to be sixteen bits ever forever, right? You know, yeah. it's never it's never going to change. It's it's always sixteen bits. So you know, then all of a sudden it's like thirty two bits. Like, oh crap! I remember eight, I world. remember it. I remember eight bit ints. Yeah. I remember ints that uh, maxed out at what is that six, 60, 60, 65, 65. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that, that was the eight bit microprocessor with a sixteen bit address space. Yeah. Right, and I, it's like you yeah, had to declare a long hand <laughs> to get a sixteen. But it, you know, again, you know, for the. Sometimes we God, do it. Pascal, Some, Pascal strings were 256 characters long. Exactly, exactly. You had to have that, that, that bite in there to tell you how long the string was. It's like, you know, <laughs> you, you want Unicode with that? <laughs> Screw you. <laughs> <laughs> it, see, that's the thing. It's like we, it, it, throughout the history of, of computing, right, you know, we've, we've taken shortcuts either for, um, you know, caused by laziness or either as a deliberate yeah a deliberate, deliberate act for performance right, right? right. you know so you know the, we have shortcuts all over our code right. and when, i don't think for example i don't think the 32 kilobyte limit in the original text edit controls in mac os i don't think that was laziness i think that was a very practical decision oh, yeah. given the constraints of the original mac hardware but then eventually yeah. we had all these apps with all these text fields that were using the system text edit control that couldn't show more than 32 kilobytes of text. Right. You know, and eventually it was, you know, the computers clearly had the, you know, the memory to, to allow it, but now you had all this software to rewrite. Yeah. It, it was, well, you know, same thing with, with, you know, UTF, right. It's like UTF yeah. really didn't take off until UTF eight came around because it could, handle the old ascii character right. sets well 
but then you could you add on, you know, you could have special sequences of character strings that would. Let I would you hold get that up. It. I would hold up UTF-8 as a pretty good uh, design by committee. Yeah, very pragmatic. Very, really, yeah. very pragmatic. Uh, I remember. I and maybe I'm misremembering this, but I seem to remember that there were an awful lot of people who thought it was who 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 held their nose at UTF-8 and were like, "Well, it'll be a stopgap for a year or two before everybody switches to UTF-16." Right. And it was like UTF-16 was like the equivalent of uh, uh, HTML 4.0 strict, right? Mm-hmm. Or the you know the, right. the HTML standards that never really t- or XHTML. Right, like it was well, the way we'll, things were supposed to be. Right, we'll <laughs> let you, we'll let you have your tag soup HTML now, but soon we'll switch to XHTML. And if your if your if your uh, web page doesn't validate as an XML document, we'll throw up an error. <laughs> it's yeah, like, right. No. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I feel like UTF. I feel like the people on the, who did UTF eight were like. We'll let those eggheads go and blather on, and in the meantime, we'll make a very practical. Um, system that is actually, you know, going to work. And a few years later, along comes UTF-32, right? Because they <laughs> ran out of space with the 16. <laughs> it's classic, right? It's like, right. oh, you know, 16-bit should be enough for anybody, any character set. You know, it's like, oh, no, it's not. <laughs> Sorry. Right. You've got to go change all your code now. Right, they effectively they made the same deci- they made the same mistake that uh, that, the, that we ran into the first time with two hundred fifty six character yeah characters. and the, and the thing that cracks me up is UTF eight is never more than thirty two bits long right <laughs> so <laughs> worst case it's e- equal to the maximum UTF thirty two word size. Right. so yeah yeah and in the common case it's way smaller than UTF oh yeah 16. yeah. So anyway, uh, on, with that, let me take a, another break here and thank our good friends at Squarespace. You guys know Squarespace. They're the all-in-one web publishing hosting platform. You go to Squarespace, you sign up for a website, you get your own domain name, you get templates to choose from, you have all sorts of components you can just plug and play graphically in their editor to make your own website. You want to have your Twitter feed show up in the sidebar? You can do that. You want to have a gallery of images? You can add that. You want to have a blog? You can do that. You want to publish a podcast? They've got great tools for that. All of it, drag and drop, very visual. If you want to, you can always drop down. If you know how to do the code, you can modify the CSS. You can inject your own JavaScript. You can do all sorts of stuff like that. All of their templates are responsive. They look great on everything from iPhone to the big screen. They have 24-7, every day of the year, live tech support with teams in uh, Dublin, New York, and Portland, Oregon. Uh, Email or chat, no phone calls. Who wants to talk on the phone? That, to me, that's actually an advertising point that you don't have to call them. You just get on the, their website, go to chat, ask them, hey, I have, I need help with this template thing. They know everything about it, and they are happy to help. Go there and sign up. If, so if you need uh, a website, I know, I say this all the time. They've been sponsoring the show for years. Who knows, though? Maybe you, have, maybe you need, didn't need a website until recently, but now you have something you want to sell. You want to sell T-shirts or something like that. They can do that. They have online commerce. Here's where you go. Go to squarespace.com slash Gruber. 
my last name, squarespace.com slash Gruber. And when you sign up, you get a free trial. Number one, you get a free, you can start with a free trial. Try it out. No credit card required. Do that. They'll know you came from the show. When you do sign up, use the offer code JG, just my initials, and you'll get 10% off. And if you pay for a year in advance, they'll do a, you'll get your own top-level domain registered right from them. So go, go there and check them out. My thanks to Squarespace. I got a question for you, Craig. Yeah. We were talking about this before. I kind of cut you off because I wanted to go deep on it in between sponsor breaks. Um, how do you think legacy apps are going to run on the new iPhones? Oh, right. Yeah. <sighs> so we have two kinds. You, you, yeah. you said ones that weren't even updated for iOS 7. I was just thinking about size. Yeah. Um, I've given a lot of thought to this. I think I, I, I actually haven't, so I'm gonna I'm just gonna kind of wing so, it here. So with the aspect ratio staying the same, it's a, to me a totally different change from the iPhone four to the iPhone five, where they letterboxed it and they had black at the top and bottom, and they just ran it at the pixel for pixel same size. And if you didn't update for the new sixteen to nine display, you just got uh, I call it letterboxed, right? You just had black bars, right, right. So the equivalent now would be to letter you'd have to letterbox on all four sides because there's going to be more pixels in both dimensions. So if they did the same thing, you would get a 640 by 1136 app in the middle of your screen. Well, I don't the, think the, they'll do that. The, the the thing that 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 is complicated there is that you got apps that are potentially using auto layout or you got apps that are potentially using strings and spruts, uh, springs and struts, which are an older technology but allow you to make adaptive layouts not quite as elegantly as the new way with auto layout, but they still can adapt. Um, Do you think that it's possible, though, that even without recompiling with the iOS 8 SDK and submitting an update, Ah, that, yeah, that's I don't that's think, the question. I, I think you're going to have to submit an update. I you're think you've got to have to have flip flip some bit in your code saying, "Yeah, yeah. I've tested this." It's yeah. going to have to go through app review again, and they're going to say, "Yep, this looks okay." I think depending on how you wrote your app to this date, if you use things like springs and struts, or if you've if you, I think if you've been using auto layout, you're probably in good shape. But you're still going to have to at least recompile it, and like you said do something in a P list, you know, your info dot P list right. that says I'm ready for, you know, it was like, sizes. it's like what we had to do with, uh, with the, the new tall screen, you know, the four inch screen, right? It was, right. Just, it was a matter of putting in a new, uh, launch image that said, you know, that was the right size. So it's like, Oh, okay. They got the new launch image. They're okay for the iPhone five. Um, I think if you don't, if you're, you know, like, let's say you just haven't submitted, you just, your app is just sitting there. You don't, there is no update to the app. The app that's there today in August is still there in, you know, late September when the new iPhone ships and you launch it on the phone. I think it will, the system will scale the app to fill the screen. So in the same way, it would well, be like. If, if, it's, if, if it's compatible with the iPhone 5, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If, if it's something I, iOS six, that's you know, there there are still apps out there that are running on on five inch displays. I mean, that that that's one of the problems with the App Store right now is that there's so many apps out there that have never seen an update because it's not profitable for the developer who wrote the app 
to do. Or it was a commission, you know, some somebody hired contractors and they submitted and they were all gung ho and then the contract's over and now the app just sits there and never gets updated because there is there isn't even a team of developers who right. are choosing not to update it. They were hired, the contract's over and the app it's just there. I I don't know what they're gonna do. I I, I maybe for like an app that still assumes a three three point five inch screen, it'll zoom to fill the width. And they'll still have black bars at the top and bottom. I can't imagine that they would stretch it. You know, well, that's going to look just, like hell. I think it'll just fill the width. It'll look I, like you know, hell. I'm gonna. I'm, yeah. I'm only thinking about the common case, which is apps that are iOS seven apps that are you know already sixteen to nine, but that they're hard coded for six forty by eleven thirty six. I think that the system will scale them dynamically to fill the screen, and I don't think it'll look that bad. I think the people who really do notice pixel level details will be appalled and they'll be if if you know for designers and developers who have apps in the store they're going to be motivated to get them updated as quickly as possible. But I think it'll I, Do you think it'll stretch images to the Yeah, I think it'll stretch everything because they're all it, at 16 to 9 it'll stretch in proportion. That's what I think. Cuz I don't think I I think Apple would rather have apps that look a little blurry and I don't think it'll look nearly as blurry as um, because I've played with this it won't won't be like when we went uh, from 1x to 2x or even from 4inch it won't look like that 3.5 inch to 4 inch Right. well 1x to 2x is probably the best example where if you had an app that wasn't updated for retina and you launched it on the iPhone 4 it just looked terrible Yep. It's not going to look like that. I've taken like screenshots of Springboard and Vesper and a few other apps and just scaled them up in Acorn by the multiple and then just shown them on at 100% size on like a Retina iPad. And it's not – obviously, it can't be pixel-perfect crisp, but it's not that bad. And yeah. I think it is sort of comparable. It's a little bit worse, but it's sort of comparable to the Retina – uh, MacBook Pro scaling we talked about earlier yeah, in the show. I, th- I think the average person won't notice if the text is scaled correctly, right? If, yeah. If the text that's comes out crisp, then you're going to get away with a lot, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, there are going to be designers out there that are like, you know, screeching and moaning about the, you know, their little bit of aliasing in those images. Yeah. Well, then get your stretching, you know, and, get you know, your well, update submitted. Exactly. Right. But you know that the if the text is readable, you know that's the thing that you know a lot of people are driven by what they see textually, not yeah. by what they see graphically. Well, and you know it's just an awful lot of what we do. We're, you know, reading messages, their text. We're reading emails, their text. We're reading web pages. It's mostly text. Um, you know, and video will be just fine. It'll be a little blurrier than it would be if it was updated natively. But um, well, maybe, I think they're going to not even I, maybe not even video because a lot of apps use the standard movie player controller. Yeah, you're right. And in which case, it'll just should just work. Yeah. I think the big thing is that somebody who splunks down the money for the big ass 5.5 inch iPhone, uh, which I think is going to carry a hundred dollar price premium at least because it's you know got this super big display and everything, and I think they're going to be able to get away with that. I think there's going to be a demand that justifies it. You splunk down the money to get a big ass five point five inch iPhone, and it's going to be big. And then all of your non Apple apps are small. I, I just think that's a non starter. 
Like as long, you know, you buy a big phone, you expect big apps. And even if they're a little blurry, that's better than having them run in a ridiculous, silly little letterboxed on all four sides rectangle in the middle of your screen. I think they're just going to scale it and be done with it. And that's it, you know. And going from the 4-inch phone to the 4.7-inch phone is not even that big of a scaling factor. I think scaling them up for the 5.5-inch is going to be a little a little gross. But still, it won't be anywhere near as bad as the, the 1X apps on the 2X iPhone were back in 2010. And they did that. Yeah, what, what is the percentage increase? It's 68%. So it'll be so 1.68. But they're going to have all those extra pixels to smooth it out. Right. I just think it's going to end up being surprising compared to those of us who still are scarred from what the 1X apps looked like on the original Retina iPhone 4. Um, it's Even on the 5.5-inch phone, I don't think it's going to be that bad. And I wouldn't be surprised if they do something where if you're using you know, UI text or something like that, that, it's, uh, that the text will, will scale at the right you know, with the right proportions. Yeah, but yeah, I could see things falling apart if, you know, say somebody has a text view and they say, okay, I want this image to draw, you know, 10 pixels to the right of this text view for some reason, right? How does how does the system handle that, right? How does it know what, to, what the right thing to do is? Uh, it's... Uh, yeah, it's going to be imperfect, but I yeah. think that's what they're going to do. I definitely think they're going to scale them to fill the screen. I really Yeah, do. well, the, the, there's definitely going to be motivation for developers to get their apps. I mean, and the and the fact is that any responsible developer has had since June to look at this stuff and to run it in a simulator at all sorts of weird sizes and make sure it does the right thing. Um I know we've done it with our apps. It's just, you know, you want to avoid surprises. But, again, there are going to be, you know, those development teams that were put together to build an app and, the, you know, the, the, the marketing budget paid for the app and the marketing people don't understand what size classes mean or even the fact, you know, they say, oh, there's a bigger iPhone. What does that mean? Yeah. And until they actually see their app running on that iPhone and, and go, oh, crap. <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> we gotta remember, fix this. Yeah, Get those remember, guys like, back in here. I remember. The, I remember hearing about stories like that when the, uh, um, like when the Retina iPhone. Shot, oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Who gives a crap? You know. Right. Like, the old iPhone. It'll look, great. look fine. It'll look fine. Right. <laughs> yeah. If the old iPhone was so ama- had such an amazing screen, how bad could it look on the new screen? Yeah. And then only when it came out were they yeah were they appalled and started jumping all over it. Yeah. As as geeks, we tend to to be more sensitive to that than, than most people. But yeah, most people can tell when then you know, presented with this stuff that it's like, oh, that's not right. It it opens up a lot of uh interesting scenarios too as far as Apple's concerned, right? once you have this notion of UIs that can adapt to different sizes, right? Well all of a sudden what about a UI for an Apple TV? Or what about a UI for some wearable device? Or, you know, things don't necessarily have to be that magic, you know, 320 or 640 width right. or that magic 11 
God, I always forget what that is. Is it 1156? Wow. No, 1136. 1136. You know how I remember it? I remember it um, by the uh, the classic George Lucas movie, THX 1138. <laughs> it's too less. <laughs> it's, too, it's too less. Why couldn't they have made it? Ele- and I, I, that's what I always lament is, why didn't they make it 1138? Because then it would have been awesome. And there's always... That's, you know, that's so, actually a good way to remember it. It's yeah. too less. It's just spitefully too less, which might be what 750 is. If it's really 750, it might be too less than the, the much neater 752. But I always remember that, right? And there's all sorts of in-jokes, like in Star Wars, the cell block where Princess Leia is held is cell block 1138. All, uh, all of George Lucas's movies are filled with uh, 1138 uh, it's, it's his. It's his number. Right, but the iPhone is too off. That's a good way to remember it. I, 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 that you thank you. You. That's the sick you, way. That, yeah. You, thank you, you. As the as that size gets obviated in two weeks. Yeah, exactly. For two weeks, I'll be happy. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, are you going to go with a four point seven or a five point five? That's this. That's my big dilemma right now. Knowing and and you know, do I want something that fits in my pocket better, or do I want something that you know? It's my uh, it might, big, might huge, be fleshy palm better. Single most frequently asked question I've gotten over the since I've published. Uh, my answer is I'm going to do my best to keep an open mind. And, you know, assuming that I'm getting invited and I'm out at the event and get to see the devices, you know, withhold judgment until I see them. Um, but in advance, what do I expect? I expect that I would, I'll get the 4.7. Because my eyes are not bad enough that I want a device specifically to get it bigger, and I've seen fi- I've seen devices with five point five inch displays. There's a Nokia that I played with at the Build conference, um, and it's a really interesting device. Just as a geek, just looking at it as a gadget, it's really interesting. Um, but to me, but it just does not seem like something huge. I would want to carry around in in my pants all the time. That's it just seems too big. It might fit your hand though, like a normal <laughs> iPhone it fits most of our hands. Like, yeah, this my, might my, be... my, 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 my pockets are the same size as yours. Your pockets so. are the same size, but your hands, I feel like you could be like the hand model for it and make it look like it's like a normal size iPhone. Actually, I can do that with an iPad mini, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> it really is though. I, I'm telling you, look, having seen a Nokia with a 5.5 inch screen, it, it is exactly what you think though, where. It, if they didn't tell you what the device was and they just said, here's the thing. And you, maybe if you went back two or three years before the big super phones became prominent and somebody said, what do you think this is? A really huge phone or a really small tablet? I, I think you would be like, uh, both. I don't know. Yeah. It, it's impossible to decide. It is that big. Or if you prefer, it's that small, you know, and I think that is the secret to the, the the demand for these things. It's people who want to do um, more work on the device they carry with them all the way, you know, all the places. And, you know, in the way that Tim Cook says he does, what does he say, 80% of his work on an iPad? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, that if you really want to do a lot more of your work on the device that you carry, your, your phone, you, I could see how you might want that. I really do. I'm always, I know that uh, yeah. I'm always curious to watch my wife's reaction to these things because she doesn't not react to the these changes the way that I react to them. I mean, she, for example, when the iPad Mini first 
or uh, not, not iPad, iPod Mini first came out. She was like, "Oh, I got to go get one of those." And I'm like, "What? What? It's smaller. It's got less storage spaces, but it fits better in my purse." Right. Oh. All right. Okay. Different point of view. She does a lot of work on her iPhone now. She does. E- she's doing email all the time. You know, it's like yeah. she. She. That's. She, in fact, almost to a detriment that she's yeah. on that thing a lot. And I could see her wanting the larger one just because it's not as big as her iPad, but it lets her, you know, write longer messages. It, presumably, going to be more comfortable to type on. You know, and, well, and is it going to have? A, if it can have a split keyboard, or is it going to have a, a, an you know iPhone esque keyboard? I wonder, like when you're in in, in uh, landscape mode, yeah, yeah, have a split. I I think about email, and I think about how you know it's long proven by usability studies, and you know either bigger display, like on your desktop, bigger displays or dual displays, that having more desktop in front of you makes you more productive because you see, you you know, we're, we're, you know, not to get all Syracuse here, but we're, you know, our minds, most of our minds, for most people, we're, we're spatially, uh, our minds think spatially and we think yeah. like my email's over here, my web browser's over here. And if you could see them both at once while you're writing an email referring to a web page, your brain works better than if you have to keep to command tabbing between the two because they overlap. Um, and just as a, it's a little thing, but I find like when I'm reading I email on my iPad, I always turn the screen to landscape so I can see the list of messages and see the selected message at the same time. Uh, being able to do that on an iPhone, if they do the iPhone mail on the big phone, like they did in that demo at WWDC, yeah. where they, you know, show two two panes at once, that could be a huge productivity thing. I really, I mean, for somebody who, if, if, you know, business people or people who for their work do, you know, dozens and dozens of emails a day on their phone, having a device where you can see the list of your, you know, see your inbox and the selected message at the same time, I don't yeah. think that's a little thing. I think that's a big thing. Or even just replying to a message, right? Which is a, a lot of what I see my wife doing is she's just scrolling up and down, right? She's going to yeah. scroll down into the message to get the context for her reply, which is at the top of the message, right? right? And constantly moving back. Well, if the screen's bigger, you know, you can see the bottom part of the message and you can see the top part of the message and you don't have to do all that scrolling back and forth. I mean, I, it, it really, I or, think the larger screen is going to be more productive, right? Yeah. For the or people not who, having to scroll at all in the first place, right? You yeah. select the message and... Right. Your, you know, I don't know, 300 word email to me. I see the whole thing without having to scroll at all. Even though right. scrolling on the phone is so easy because your thumb is right there and you just do it. You know, if you're moving through 20 new emails and you want to do it before, you know, your uh, bus shows up or whatever, your, you know, your train shows up that you're waiting for and here it comes, you know, it makes you feel more efficient. Yeah. I think it's going to be insanely popular. I think I think that my guess is there's probably going to be like a waiting list for the 5.5 and the 4.7 might be a little bit more available. Well, you know, according to Ben Thompson, you know, it's like all his a lot of um, he's the guy. Well, he lives where does he live? He lives in, he's in, uh, in Taiwan. Taipei, ta- yeah, Taiwan. Taipei. And yeah. um, supposedly all his wife and her friends have all gotten these big Android devices and they're 
really looking forward to this new larger iPhone coming out so they can ditch the Android device and get it back on the iPhone because they need that large screen. Right, and I, you know, maybe that made it. Maybe that is perceived need, but I, probably not. It's probably they have a good reason for wanting these larger screens. Uh, you know, I personally, I, I'm not. Con- I mean, part of me wants to get the larger screen just because it's. You know, as a developer, it's the new thing. It's kind of the oddball. It's but both the 4.7 and the 5.5 are an oddball. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to want that that larger thing in my pocket. It's really that comes down to that. I mean, I've got an iPad that I use in the evening. You know, I love my iPad Mini. And yeah. you know, what's the difference between an iPad Mini and a 5.5 inch iPhone? Yeah, I think I think not it's you know, and I've seen people who've you know. I, I, it's all true. It's all trade-offs, though. Everything is trade-offs. Yeah, and, I've, yeah. you know, some of the skepticism that Apple, you know, there's still people, even with all the rumors, that there's still people who are skeptical that Apple would do a 5.5-inch iPhone, just on general principle. And one of the arguments is it'll cannibalize sales of the iPad mini. Uh, I think that's absolutely true. But I don't think it's true that it would keep Apple from doing it. I think that, you know, they, they want to have a continuum of device sizes that whatever your perceived need is that you meet you know that you have yeah. something to buy if you want to buy an iphone and an ipad mini great their apple is twice as happy than if you just bought one device but if you really just want to buy one device they're sure as shit way happier if you buy a 5.5 inch iphone and only a 5.5 inch iphone than if you buy a samsung galaxy note right exactly and i th- you know and i think apple you know has has had that mindset all along in the you know, the post next era, you know, under Steve jobs, under Tim cook, I think the whole company has been, you know, unafraid to cannibalize itself. So as not to be cannibalized by an opponent, you know, right. It's right. the same it, way. It, 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 it goes back to the iPod mini, right. And the iPod nano, right. It's like, and, it's like- and the, <laughs> the way that Steve jobs called the original iPhone, the best iPod we've ever made. Right, right there on stage, he said, "This is the best iPod we've ever made." Now, I think it's arguable, I and mean, there were a lot of people who were like, "I actually kind of like my iPod for just for listening to music," but they went the other way. If anything, they bragged about how you know you don't need an iPod; you just have this phone that has everything. When at a time when the iPod was the majority of the company's revenue and profits, yeah. you know, whereas I think the traditional way that a company would be is the iPod division would have such political sway within the company that they would block. The, this, this, oh yeah, this yeah. There would funk. be all they sort of say, political bullshit going on. Yeah, yeah, they would say, "Well, you can't play music. You have to like tether your iPod to your phone to play music through it, or some you know crazy thing like that." That, that that's the way tech companies typically worked, you know, and still work. Is somebody would you know would block it, yeah. like in the way that the, the crazy contortions that Microsoft still goes through to put Windows on everything, you know, yeah. that the iPod division would have somehow you know done let something. Let me ask you another like question. That. Do you think there will be an iPod Touch with these new dimensions? Ooh, let's come back to that. I'm going to do that. I have one more sponsor, and okay. then let's that, ask me that in uh, in two minutes. Okay. I want to thank our good friends, another recurring sponsor, longtime friend of the show, Hover, H O V E R, best domain registrar in the world. I was listening to ATP last week, and Marco said uh, that he gets complaints every week about the way he pronounces their name, and he says it exactly what? like I do. I think Hover. 
And it's like, I'm the king of mispronouncing words on a po- podcast. I have no idea how else you could pronounce H- that. H-O-V-E-R? Word. H-O-V-E-R, like what a helicopter does. Hoover? <laughs> Hoover? I don't know. I'm actually at a, uh, at a loss. Yeah. I can't Hover. wait. I, I don't know if there's a new episode yet. I'm hoping that there's follow-up on ATP, because he asked for somebody to explain how else you could pronounce it. But anyway, just in case anybody is confused, it's H-O-V-E-R. They are a great and long-standing uh, domain registrar. Talk about a business. The, the, the domain registration makes the mattress business look like uh, <laughs> a charity. This is the typically the scum of the earth. I mean, they'll they'll steal your money. They'll swindle you. I think that there's a lot of crooked domain registrars out there that if you start searching for domain names on their site, they they like register them behind your back to sell them to you at a higher price. I don't trust them as far as I can throw them. Hover is the other way around. Really great everything. Customer service, their interface, their options, their prices. Uh, They've got all of the new top-level domains that you could possibly want if you want, you know, .guru or uh, .plumber or whatever the hell else is available. Anything you could want, Hover's got it. And because, you know, if you're like me and you've got domain names registered from 10, 15 years ago, and you did it all over the internet with no really rhyme or reason or long-term thinking, they've got this amazing thing. You sign up for Hover, and it's called um, valet service. You just talk to them. You say, look, I've got these domains at this other company, whatever it is. Give your login to the other company, to to your rep at Hover. And they'll go through all of the stuff to move your DNS and set up. Valet transfer service. It's completely painless. And they do it for free. They take care of the whole process for you because they know. This is why they do it. You think, well, how, that's too it's good to a, be true. It's, why? A, it's a total pain in the butt to do It's that. a huge pain in the ass. But they do it. Their valet transfer experts do it all the time. They, yeah. That's all they yeah. specialize in. Yeah. So they know DNS. And screwing up your DNS, ah. Oh, the worst I've, yeah I've or even the, just or you have how to initiate the transfers between the domains yeah. it's a and every yeah. domain registrar has a little bit different process it's a, and yeah. they, they call it a lock or they call it a whatever well right. hover knows how to handle this for you honestly that alone that, that is is the best thing that they have totally personal totally professional really really cool customer service uh, if you don't already have your own domain name, you can get a domain name. You, then you have your own email address. You can have it for the rest of your life. And instead of having a stupid at Gmail or whatever email address, get your own domain name. And you'll have an email address that you can take with you wherever you go for the rest of your life. You won't regret it. Um, they even have email forwarding. It's just five bucks. And then you can just use your same e- inbox where you have your email now. You don't have to change anything except that your email will come to your new, you know, at whatever.com. Where do you go to find out more? Easy. Go to hover.com. And when you sign up, use this code. Promo's, promo is good for 10% off the entire purchase for all new customers. Here's the code. Chowder. C-H-O-W-D-E-R. Hover comes up with the best uh, like per show <laughs> codes ever. Chowder. Chowder. Go to hover.com and check them out. If you need a new domain name, go there. And if you have domain names somewhere else, go to hover, sign up, and have their valet service move them over. You won't regret it. So my thanks to them.
All right. What was your question again? Your iPod question. Touch. Question. iPod That's Touch. That's a great 4. question. So, 5.5. so I was just thinking about this, looking at some of these product links that have come out or leaks, you know, of the new iPhones and what they look like and how they kind of look like the, the form factor of the current iPads. Last year, there were no new iPod touches. It's the, the ones, if you went to the Apple store today, they're effectively the same ones that have been on sale for two years. Yeah. And I think the previous, yeah, the previous generation was the same way where they've, they've got, it seems like now for four years, they've had the iPod touch on a two year cycle. So if that stays the same, there will be new ones this year, but there've been no rumors about it. That doesn't prove anything, but who knows? But the thing I remember is at the event, the Apple event where the iPhone five was announced, um, and they said, okay, you know, it was a press event. They were like, thank you very much. You know, there's a, a room over there. You guys, if you, anybody want to have a hands on, you go over there. And so I went over there and I was with MG Siegler and everybody made a bum rush for the phones and the iPhones. And I wanted to see them too, but the iPod touch, the new iPod touches were there too. And it was the table they were on was far less crowded. So MG and I went over there and we were looking at the, at the, uh, at the iPods, we we played with the phone for a little bit, but we you know left it aside because it was just too crowded. We go over and look at the iPods, and they were so amazingly thin. It was like, I uh, I just can't believe how thin this is. I know I I've only spent a grand total of like twenty seconds with the new iPhone five, and I'm already kind of more impressed by this device because it's so much thinner. And the iPhone five and the five S are about as thin as the two generation ago iPod touch, like pretty much throughout pretty much for the entire life of the iPhone, the iPod touch has been a generation ahead in terms of how thin the next one is going to be. If there is one, it would be amazingly thin. Hey, this is Dave cutting in to let you know that Craig's audio is about to go haywire here in a minute. I don't know what happened. Maybe he had a wrong button or like nine wrong buttons, but it only goes that way for a minute or so, and then it goes back to normal. So don't freak out. Also, this cut-in was brought to you by Squarespace. So I don't know. I don't know what to expect, though, because, and it's, you know... You know, I, you know back, back to the cannibalization thing, I can't see a 5.5-inch iPod Touch. No, I don't either. It's, it's too, like, it's like, it's it's like, it's like getting an iPad having territory. You know, it's 4.7. Be great, be great to play games. games. It'll be, 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 be you, know, you know, awesome, awesome for music. You know, the album, album artwork will look great, great on that thing. Um, um, kind of seems like, like, like a, you know, that, you know, that then going to going from seven seven there would make sense. sense. I mean, I mean it's, it's kind of, it's kind of like the, you know, the eleven thirty six six forty is just, just, just getting technically deprecated. I have no idea. I don't know what I, I'm so terrible of all the things I I can predict. Predicting names, I'm never right, so I'm not even going to bother. 
If I had to guess, though, it would be something like iPhone 6 and iPhone 6L. But I, I honestly don't know. Where the 6 would be the 4.7-inch one, and it's defined as being the – that's like the standard iPhone 6. And the iPhone – the big one, the 5.5 one is the one that, you know – I know people have tossed around the name I, I, iPhone Air. That doesn't make sense to me, though, for either one. I don't know. Maybe the 4.7 would be called the Air. I don't know. But uh, uh, yeah, basically, know. There's, there's going to be a 5.5 inch, a 4.7 inch, a 4 inch, and that's probably it, right? Here, here's why I don't think that there will be a 5.5 inch iPod Touch is that I think, as I've said, I think the 5.5 inch iPhone is going to go triple retina. And I don't think the 4.7 will. Um, and we can, I should talk about that too, because that's part of the follow up. I, you know, a lot of people are pushing me back on that. That'll maybe be the last point, but, um, they're going to, I think they're going to charge at least an extra hundred bucks for the same size for the 5.5. But that's for the most of the markets where the iPhone is strongest. It's subsidized pricing where you buy your iPhone with a two year contract and the real price is hidden. That's going to be a super expensive screen. It's going to be a super expensive battery. Everything's going to be more expensive than that. Uh, and I'm already and spending. You're always spending a couple hundred dollars to get the iPhone upgrade anyway. Another right. hundred dollars. It's like there's yeah, no you way know, Apple Care is going to cost another hundred dollars on you, top of that. You, you can't hide the price of that with the iPod Touch because the iPod Touch isn't subsidized. Ah, uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So the iPod yeah, Touch, yeah. if there's a new one, I think it's going to have the 4.7 inch screen yep. and the same 326 pixel per inch that the iPod Touch already has. Right. It's just going to be a little bit bigger. Right. And I think it's way more feasible to, you know, sell it at the same price points that we're used to selling the iPod Touch at. And look at what the iPod Touch is mainly used for. It's music, games, Vide- social videos, media, yeah. and videos. Yeah. It's, and yeah. that's all, you know, it's not a productivity thing, right? Right. But, you know, you the teenager who's getting an iPod Touch for Christmas is not thinking, oh, yeah. Cool, I can run Microsoft Word on this now. Yeah. <laughs> thinking, oh yeah, Candy Crush or whatever the yeah, or whatever the, <laughs> the YouTube, is, yeah. Right. yeah, that. And so the last thing, and this is a big pushback, and this is a super frequently asked response to my during Fireball piece over the weekend is how in the world, you know, why in the world would Apple go three X on one? the 5.5 and 2x stay at 2x on the 4.7 they're either going to do 2x on both or they're going to go 3x on both and there's no way they would do it any other way um and there's a certain logic to that but the more i think about it the more i think if they're going to charge more for the big one they need to it, it needs to be more technically impressive not just physically bigger and i think there's a very serious battery life issue with that where, um, and I'll, I'll put it in the show notes if I can remember, but there was a, there was a good piece at a non-tech about the, the push towards super high resolutions in phones, going from the 300 and some DPI range to 400 and some DPI. Because um, there's some other phones, you know, there's some HTC phones with 450, 460 pixels prints. And according to them, and I, you know, I trust a non-tech, it takes going at the same size, going from around 350 to 450 pixels per inch comes with a 20% penalty in energy consumption. 
Just for the display, um, or yeah, well, for the number of pixels, okay. right? At right, the same right. size, you're lighting up more transistors, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Not talking about the increase in size, but just the increase in transistors for the number of pixels. It's about a twenty percent uh, penalty. The five point five, according to all the component leaks, the five point five inch iPhone has a sixty percent bigger battery, so it's the battery is more than bigger enough to compensate for the 20% penalty. Whereas a 4.7 inch iPhone just doesn't have room for a much bigger battery than a 4.0 inch iPhone. So I think a energy consumption and B that hundred dollar price difference that I think they're going to charge that they can, you know, the 5.5 can still hit the iPhone size margins and the 4.7 couldn't at least not this year. And then that leaves room in the future for either next year or the year after that for a three X retina 4.7 iPhone. But I don't think it's going to – I think the reason it won't happen this year is price and energy consumption and the size of the battery that they can put in the phone. Yeah, That's the other thing productivity-wise. Yeah, Productivity-wise that might drive people towards the 5.5 is I wouldn't be surprised if when they say, here's your expected battery life, if the 5.5 is just a preposterous number, you know, that it goes from, I don't know, 12 hours of use to 20 hours of use or something like that. But could it really? I mean, if it, if it's driving that bigger, that much bigger yeah, of a display, I think a, and ah. and you know they're they're gonna want to keep it thin, okay? You know, yeah, you have a little bit more X and Y, but you got no more Z. I don't know. Yeah, I agree with you on the Z, but um, you know, I don't know. I just wouldn't be surprised if if they put it up and it has just a, a seemingly you know at least compared to the the other model iPhone. A, a, a huge jump in daily battery life. Maybe not. Maybe it'll, you know, maybe you're right and it'll, you know, be, they'll be more or less equivalent, but yeah. Think there'll be anything else other than, uh, display sizes. I don't think, I don't think, I don't see there being anything like a touch ID or speed bumps or anything to like separate that. the two or anything new, anything new. I think this is going to be all about display sizes. It's like the jump between, the, you know the 4s and the 5 in my mind it's it's you know the, the this we're on that cycle where okay it's all about the display this time it's you know you know there may be something new with a 6s you know in a year's time or something right. like that but i think it's it, they're they're going to be yeah these displays are going to be impressive they're going to be impressive and that's the thing that Apple's gonna go. Hey, look at this! It, uh, it it's gonna be great though, because basically Touch ID is gonna be across the line now, right? You know, yeah, it'll it, move it, down the line. It'll, you know, some some five C equivalent thing is gonna have Touch ID now. It's it's. I think here's how I think the lineup will look. I think the lineup will be top price is the five point five inch iPhone. Right. $100 less for the same amount of storage, the new 4.7. I think other than the display, everything about those two phones will be the same. I think they'll have the same better than ever camera and they'll have the same touch ID. I think if they add anything new to the M8 motion co- coprocessor, if there's an M9, you know, that has even more health tracking stuff, they'll both get the same thing. Um, if there are any kind of technical improvements to the fingerprint scanner, I think they'll both get the exact same improvement. 
everything other than the display, I think will be the same. I think they'll have the same A, what are they up to? A8 CPU system on a chip. Do you think they'll go with a new CPU? Yeah, uh, I think so. They could, I think that, that 4.7, or excuse me, A7 is, is. It is pretty good. And, you know, somebody has said something about, you know, what it caught, uh, about the GPU being able to handle the, the, the 22 by 12, whatever. It can, yeah, it can drive an iPad mini. I mean, uh, yeah, it and, and does I, a great job with it. Yeah. And that, and that actually has more total pixels. Yeah, because it's only twenty forty eight in the larger dimension, but right. because the the wide dimension, because it's four to three, if you multiply, it, it's like over three million pixels. And and the, this is one of those. It's all about the display cycles. Yeah. It's not about yeah, the CPU. I don't know though. I don't know. I just feel though that they're on. I feel like that their their chip group is on a tear. Oh uh, yeah, they're and they're on fire. But I don't think they need to. I think they will just because their chip group is on fire, and yeah. it's almost like right. topic right. for a separate show. Is that whole topic of are they ever going to have one that that's you know speed compatible with like a low end Intel chip? Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't it's, know. It's, I think it's astounding that, to me that the, the improvements that the that the CPUs have seen. Yeah, I just don't think they'll take a. I don't think they'll take a year off on that because I think that they're like firing on all cylinders and that they, you know, effectively at the same price that they made the A7 last year, they can make an even better A8, and they're not going to take a year off. Yeah, that's what I don't uh, look at. Look at how many Android devices are running with a 64-bit processor right now. (laughs) Crickets chirping. (laughs) So let's Uh, so let's list them out. All right, uh, <laughs> now that we've, we're done with that exhaustive list. Um, no, I think that the, the two new iPhones will be at the top, $100 apart in price. Anything that the one has, the other will have, except for the super display. Uh, I think that the 5S stays around for another year, and they, do the, they go back to what they used to do, and the 5S drops $100 in price and takes the mid-tier. And I think the 5C stays around and becomes the free with contract phone as is without any changes. I don't think, I think, so I think touch ID moves down a tier because the 5S moves down a tier, but I, I don't think it moves all the way down to the bottom. I think it'll be another year before it does. Hmm. That's my guess. And I don't think there's going to be a 6C. I don't think there's going to be a new plastic, you know, phone. I think that the new, if you want a bigger iPhone, you have to buy the new, you have to buy at the top of the line. What would be another potential scenario is to take the current 5S and fit it into the uh, current 5C. Right, frame. make like a 5, 5CS right. that has Touch ID and an A8. Uh, it, yeah, it depends on, you know, it's like a, Apple likes simplified product lines, right? You know, that, that was the whole thing Steve Jobs brought back to Apple, right? It's like, you know, that simple four-product matrix, you know, pro-consumer, desktop, laptop and you know that you know us talking about well okay let's have uh four different models of iphone do you really need four different models of iphone i mean yeah but they've they do they do like to have that free phone right yeah and i'm sure that they that for certain people that's an important thing right Right. it's like they all this phone is free all I Here's gotta do what is get my, I, my monthly bill to the carrier. Right. Here's what I wrote two years ago. And this was in response to a guy I actually 
got in there and responded to him, but it was a guy on Hacker News who, after I put my piece up, who said, okay, I'm not trying to be a dick here, which is always a good sign that you're trying to be a dick. Uh, but every time I see the rumor about the screen size of the iPhone 6, it always reminds me how Gruber and Jim Dalrymple, two of the biggest Apple fans on the internet, mocked the screen size of Samsung Note before. Um, and I do, I definitely crack some jokes about using those big ass phones as phones. And I, st I think the iPhone 5.5 is going to look ridiculous if you hold it up to your ear and use it as a phone. But here's what I wrote two years ago when the iPhone 5 shipped. I wrote, there's no argument that some people really do like these big closer to five than four inch Android and Windows phones. I was in a Verizon retail store yesterday, long story, don't ask why, and overheard a relatively small woman buying a Samsung Galaxy S3. Now that was a big, that was a five inch phone. Mm -hmm. um, a companion asked her if she wasn't worried that it was too big. And she said, no, big was exactly what she wanted because she doesn't have a tablet and wanted to do a lot of reading on whatever phone she got. And she even said she was thinking about the bigger Galaxy Note, but Verizon didn't carry it and she wanted to stay on Verizon. Um, it was like, like a conversation out of a Samsung commercial. Such people surely think the iPhone 5s Four-inch display remains too small, but trust me, there's going to be many longtime iPhone users complaining that it's too big after they upgrade. Because that was me talking about how hard it was to reach the corner with one hand. Um, so here's what I said. In an ideal world, perhaps Apple would offer two iPhone sizes like they do with products like uh, MacBook Pros and MacBook Airs. A smaller one with the classic 3.5-inch display and a larger one with, say, a 4.5-inch display for people who want that. Um so I think I've been on 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 the team of hey they should have two sized iPhones a bigger one and a smaller one um, for a while but I think I under the one thing I underestimated was just how much bigger phones could and would and demand would show that they get that my idea that they'd stick with the three point five inch and maybe add a four point five wasn't enough. Yeah, well, it, it, the other thing to think about too is that people's habits as far as using the quote unquote phone have changed. Right. I see a lot of people talking on their phone in ways that where the phone is not up to their ear. Right. Yeah. Talk, talking through your headset, talking to the speakerphone. Yep. It's, yes, it looks ridiculous when you hold it up to your ear. But, I mean, I, I look at my wife, she does conference calls all the time and she's got, you know, her, you know, the earbuds in and is you know the phones are sitting there on the desk yeah right? i think the, it's a leg it's a legacy from the old telephone system that we think of you know that that guys right. like me and you still think of a phone as something you hold up to your ear and right. talk into your mouth. and and it's it's convenient to do that sometimes right, right? you know if you you're out and about and you got a phone call right. you know you hold it up to your ear and you talk and you right. know it's a you know it's, it's literally a five minute conversation i i don't I don't talk, you know, you said it earlier, you know, you have to call these people, right? I'm like, right. what? <laughs> I just want to talk to people over chat or email or social networks. And, you know, I, I still love having conversations in person, you know, right. like we're having now, right? It's, that's uh, still an important thing. But, you know, long converse, phone conversations, yeah, don't do that very often. No, almost never. And I just don't think it's a reason. It's not a. It's no longer a reason to to dictate the size of the hardware. Yeah, no, no, not at all. 
Right. And it's, you know, it, I, it, I think it's very similar to using a uh, tablet, no matter how big your tablet is, as a camera. You know, it does, I still think it looks silly, but I don't make fun of it anymore because it's too many, I've seen too many hundreds of people doing it. Well, look at the camera that Ansel Adams used, right? Well, but he wasn't large format film, right? It's it's a a lot of people like it. That was because you know Ansel Adams did it because it was technically to get the incredibly yeah. You know there was a a, yeah yeah yeah. It would be different if the iPad had a huge sensor, like a four inch. If it had a four inch image (laughs) sensor and was taking, you'd be doing it even. Yeah, I would be doing it too. It's actually got a crummy sensor. No. It's just got a big screen, but no. you know, but it's too many people do it. It's, you know, it was worth a couple of laughs for a year or so, but now that's, you know, that's most people, that's a lot of people's main camera. So, it's, you know, yeah, time I, to move on. I see it all the time, you know, people taking pictures of the sunset in Laguna Beach and that's like well, number one, they're, they're it cracks me up. People take pictures of the sunset by pointing the camera on the <laughs> iPad at the sun. <laughs> It's like, and then they're looking at this big ass screen, which they can barely see because the sun is in their eyes. The one thing that still gets me with the people people using an iPad as a camera is when they have a cover and they just let the cover hang below. And Mm. so they've got a double, double size rectangle in front of their face. They got a dangle. Right. It's like, at least fold the screen up, right? It's like, you know, it accordions up. You can hold it at the bottom of the phone and it won't cover the lens. It's like, at least fold that up. Yeah, and it actually oh, makes right. it a little bit thicker and easier to hold. Yeah, it's, yeah. Well, it almost looks like they're like they're in a witness protection <laughs> and they're, like, hiding. Yeah, but, you know, as, as developers, we learn that, that people are going to do what they're going to do, right? And you right. just kind of adapt to, to that. It's like you can't force people to do things that right. you'd think. Or make more sense. What do you think? What do you think you're going to do for buying a new phone? Have you, you're, you're on the fence. Do you do you think you would wait until you could see them in the store? So yeah, you could see no, I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to have to wait and see them in the store. I, I think that's going to be a huge difference this year. I was thinking about. It. I think there's going to be an awful lot of people uh-huh. who otherwise would have, if they only had one new iPhone, they would just pre-order it so they could get it as soon as they can. But they're not. They're going to wait till they can see it in stores so that they can make a, an informed decision about which of the two they want to get. The lines are going to be insane. It's, yeah, it's I do think so. It's going to be insane. Because so many people in the last cycle, or the last couple cycles actually, have uh, just gotten the, the device delivered by FedEx or whoever you know, delivers right. it in your area. and But now people want to see it. Yeah. yeah I and, totally yeah, think. And, you know, you're going to be in a better position than, than most people because you'll have actually seen it at the press event. But Right. Possibly, you know, get a review unit, but, uh, you know, knock on wood there. I, you know, I never find out until the day of, so. Yeah, you'll. But at the least I, sh- I hope to see them both at the, at the, at the press event. I think I'll get to four seven. It really is one of those things that, that yeah, that the I mean, I would lean now towards the four point seven just begin again because I've got the iPad Mini, which is suits my needs just fine. And that you know, after dinner, you know, reading, you know, something to do while commercials are playing on the TV or whatever. But yeah, I, I mean, it, you know. It's, it, the 5.5 is actually more interesting from a user interface point of view because it it, ex, it extends the uh, 
the thumb targets, right? Oh, and totally. It's, right. You got it's a it's it's a new. I mean, with a mini, you know, the iPad Mini, you you basically say, okay, you you can't move your thumb from the lower left to the upper right. I spent uh, if you're right-handed. I spent like half my review of the iPhone 5 talking about how I couldn't reach the top corner with my thumb, and that was a half-inch difference. This yeah. is two inches different from the 3.5-inch yeah. original iPhone. So, you know, it's, part of me wants to, to get that larger phone just to understand the ergonomics of, of the new device. Um, from a purely practical point of view, it's like, uh, okay, I want something smaller to put in my pocket. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, you know, everybody's going to have a similar kind of, you know, well, uh, choice A is good and choice B is good. Well, maybe I should go with A. Maybe I should go with B. Maybe yeah. A, B, A, B, A, B. And, you know, you, you're going to get there. And, and in fact, you know, the, the lines at the Apple store are probably going to move more slowly because people are choosing between A and B. <laughs> And not yeah, and not it, knowing which one is right. I mean, some people uh, will go in and yeah, oh, you definitely want the B. Definitely, I need the bigger one. Bigger. I think bigger. that, and I think that the the Fandroid contingent are going to have a like an aneurysm on the basis of that Apple is going to market it as though they invented big screen phones. <laughs> you know that they are. Yeah. They're going to call it like revolutionary based on some sort of thing. And and then the Fandor is going to be like you know I've had a you know a five inch Galaxy whatever for two and a half years they're going to go nuts but that's you know yeah. Apple is either way ahead or they take their time and they do it last and better. Yep, they they're they're, they're doing it doing it well rather than right. first. Yeah, in this case, um, what was the one more thing I wanted to? Uh, I have one more point, but I forget it. Ah, who cares? We've gone long enough. Yeah, I need to pee. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even imagine uh, how big your bladder is. Yeah. It's probably a lot of... Large. Large. Craig Hockenberry of uh, the, Aachen, the Icon Factory. Uh, people can follow you on Twitter at, uh, at Chockenberry. Right. Uh, I haven't been tweeting much lately. been very busy with uh, Yosemite and iOS 8 stuff. But yeah, that's where I am. In- oh, I know what I wanted to say. I had one more. Here's my one more thing. Uh, my one more thing is uh, how do they fill up a 90-minute iPhone announcement? I don't think bigger screen is enough. So I th- I, I'm now of the opinion that there's two paths that they take. One path is not just talking about bigger, but what bigger enables. And it would be you know like a sort of a productivity keynote. Right. Like look at now, look at email in landscape. You can see two things at once, you know, uh, that sort of thing. And other apps that they've secretly updated to act differently on this bigger iPhone. They could talk, they could talk for 30 minutes just about iOS extensions, iOS extensions and the continuity and, and and guess what? You know, iOS eight and Yosemite are going to have to drop at the same time because of all of the, you know, iCloud, you know, cloud kit nope i think it's going to play out exactly like last year where remember um uh ios keychain and it wasn't in ios 7.0 we had to wait till october i think we wait till october for continuity i think ios 8 ships without continuity hooked up yet and that the yosemite will come out in october 
with the new iPads. It's in its higher profile than just the iOS keychain, but that's the reason keychain didn't ship till October is because it had to ship, like you said, it has to ship at the same time. The feature has to ship at the same time as Yosemite, because what's the point of having keychain syncing? Keychain syncing if you don't have anything to sync it to. Um, there are going to be a lot thing. of disappointed developers if it goes down that way. If they have to it, wait an extra month, yeah, I mean the whole thing, you know, about you know iCloud is that it it, it you know binds your devices together, right? You've got well, I your predict I don't think your, Yosemite ships next month. I think it ships in October, and I think just like last year, I think Mac. I think it's too much to ask that they ship two operating systems. Yeah, no, it just from I. I get it from an engineering resources point of view and a testing point of view and a deployment point of view. And, but you know, are you, you know, this, this thing with like iCloud drive, right? You're going to be able to put things in iCloud drive, but you're not going to be able to get them on your, your Mac. I don't think you, I don't think you're able to put them in iCloud drive until, until October. I think you have to wait for like 8.01 for all of the iCloud stuff. That's my guess. I could be wrong. I don't know. That's just pure guess based on last year's iCloud, the keychain thing. Yeah. Uh, so how else do they fill up if I am right that they don't have all that? If 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 they do ship at the same time, then God, they'll, they'll be they'll be hard pressed to finish within two hours. Right. If they finish. It's going to it's going to be like the WWC keynote, right? It's like you know, right. boom, 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 boom. <laughs> right. Right. Because <Like>, ah, <laughs> take a breath. Yeah. <laughs> And and just think, I mean, they could fill up they could fill up forty five minutes just with demos from selected third parties who've been in secretly locked up in Cupertino for the last three weeks building cool extensions, you know, easily. Um, but I don't think I think that's more of an October thing. I think that they either fill it up with productivity stuff that you can do with the new bigger screen or um, health stuff. That this is when they unveil. I don't know if they'd unveil the device. I mean, I sort of guessed that they would a couple of weeks ago, and people had a shit fit. But that you know, the health kit stuff and what they're going to do, and maybe if there is like a new, even better M9 in the new phones, um, this is where they explain the whole health initiative. Because I don't think that the health stuff fits with an October event where they have all this continuity stuff and Yosemite to explain. Like, to me, that, that's my yeah, broad guess. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. It, 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 what, you, what, you're, what, you're, what you're basically saying is that the September event is all about the iOS device, stuff you can do on the iOS device, productivity, tracking your health. And then the October event is about... How all, all your devices, devices tie together. Yeah. Right. That's my guess. And that maybe, you know, if there's a big surprise, it would be that whatever the wearable dingus that's been rumored for a while, but everybody's sort of forgotten, not forgotten, but as everybody's so excited about the phone that people have stopped talking about it, that maybe it'll come out at the September event or at least be announced, even if it doesn't come out. Yeah. I don't, I, that's that whole. I've just recently started wearing a Fitbit Flex on my wrist. Part of it is just to start, you know, what does it mean to have a thing on your wrist? And the, see, I thought I would think that would be a ring for you. Yeah. Well, I got the large band on, so there we go. <laughs> but it's it, it's weird. It, it's like I don't, I 
you know, this is a great little product, but I don't see an Apple logo on it. No, I don't think so. But anyway, I I still think that that's I, and again, not because anybody has said, hey, I think that the wearable thing is coming in September. I'm just trying to think, how do you plot two events that have like a story? And I think that one of them has to be about continuity. And I don't. I think that's the October event. I think that is when they have new iPad, new iPads. That's when they ship Yosemite. Um, and so I think that to me leaves the September one for health. Because I think there's got to be a health-related event this fall. Yeah. Somebody's working his butt off to get stuff ready for September 9th. Yeah. You know, Yosemite slash iOS, iCloud, all that stuff happening at once. I'm like, ugh. I just don't okay, think it's, I, it's it's possible. I mean, what you're saying they is plausible. Ready to have, if they weren't ready to have a health-related event and possibly a health-related new device in the fall, I don't know why they would have added HealthKit to iOS 8. To me, then they would have held it for iOS 9. But I don't know. Maybe because maybe if the health stuff is slipped from a 2014 thing, they'll do it in like February or March, in which case it still needs to be in iOS 8 because iOS 9 won't come out for another year. What about that whole HomeKit thing, too? That's kind of just haven't yeah that, that would fit in too yeah that hasn't but that would fit in to me that would fit in at an iphone event where you're yeah. talking about things like uh opening your garage door when you get close and right. stuff like that right right i don't know it's interesting times that's the thing that's so impressive about apple right now is they've got so much stuff that they're working on that's just Awesome. I mean, that the, you know, the, we were all blown away at WWDC by the the breadth of the stuff that they announced, and now that it's starting to become real, it's like the next. You know, the, I totally believe. You know, somebody like Eddie Q saying this is the most impressive you know pipeline of products that they've had in you know his twenty years or whatever it was. Um, there's just they've got a lot in the queue right now, and it's like and they gotta how do they, you know how does it come out? I keep thinking about like there's a couple of sites that have put up like hey what should you expect and they show an iPhone five and a what a four point seven inch phone would look like next to that what a five point five would look next to that and then how close that five point five is to the iPad Mini you just have this nice continuum of devices and then add to that the possibility of a larger iPad. And all of a sudden, iOS is like a, a computing platform that covers everything, right? All sizes, from easily fits in one hand to a total two-hand pro laptop size screen. Yeah, and then eventually they're going to start making laptops that have ARM chips in them, and then you get yeah. a whole other interesting set of things that can happen. But it's just amazing to me to think that it's evolved, you know, already into something that's truly like a, a all-encompassing computing platform. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's it's not surprising to me. That, I mean, this is next. You know, when this first came out, it was very clear to me this this is the next thirty years of computing. Right? We're going to be refining this touch display you know, direct interaction mechanism for the next 30 years, just like we have refined the mouse as a means of interacting with our computers for the past 30 years. Um, so th 
this is just this is we're at that period where you know where there were all sorts of different kinds of Macs, right? There was the you know the original Mac. There was a you know Mac with color display. There was a Mac with you know different you know bus architectures and you know they they they, they just there was they, the twelve thousand dollar Mac Two FX. Yeah, you know the the twentieth century or the twentieth anniversary Mac. You know there's like this, this huge big, uh, in some ways convoluted product line. Um, so, but the Mac the Mac Two FX cost more than like a Honda Civic. Yeah, yeah, it, it was insane. You know, it was like, yeah. But God, I wanted one so bad. All right, Craig. Let's uh, yeah. let's call it a night. Thank you so much for your time. No, it's it's insights. always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. Um, it's, it's anybody who's not, even if he is slowed down, if if he is busy, if you're not following Craig on Twitter, you're you're missing out. It's a gold mine. <laughs>